I had to shake them on my last case, big O don't play. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Musky Hunks Podcast. I'm one of your two hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. <laughs> <laughs> we may have uh, we may have more hosts. We're oh, not we quite will. sure. Oh, we will. Okay. All right. So we will have They're additional coming. hunks on the line tonight. But for right now, we have one hunk on the line, aside from me, and that is Mr. Tom Venata. Yellow. It's a Tom and Ryan show. It's the Tom and Ryan. We left those other chumps behind. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> you got to lead. Got to lead by example. We got Owen our- and Donnie, the dads, joining us later. I think so. They'll be popping in. Popping in. So how are uh, how are things with the? Uh, I'm not going to say the Venata household, but how are things your way? Great. Gonna- I'm fishing with a uh, listener slash friend tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, bright and early. Chris Raz. Oh. Nice. A, a fly fisherman and a gear fisherman getting along, going fishing together. It's possible. That's great, dude. I'm uh, pumped for you guys. Hopefully you guys get out there and smack a big one tomorrow. I hope. Are you allowed to talk about where you're fishing or are you just Oh yeah, Mon River. Okay. Go out of the right. dirty old Mon and creep around for a while. Try to get one before turkey. All right. Well that's a uh, So yeah, dude. I guess people that are listening to this don't know it's Thanksgiving tomorrow, so we're fishing on Thanksgiving. We're just hoping to be back by Dinner time, I guess. You better hope that bite doesn't turn on. Uh, it might be a little <laughs> late. <laughs> that that gives a whole new meaning to like the turkey bowl. Oh yeah, it's a little so, little wobble wobble before the gobble gobble. You know. Yeah, I I understand. So we have a guest on the line tonight, a local boy. Excited about this mm-hmm. one. So, Tom, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for the evening? Yeah, so we have uh, someone that uh, the Fat AZ podcast actually just talked about. Um, he actually has known a couple of us for a while now. We've used some of his baits. Uh, he's like a relatively new guy to lure making, but at the same time, he seems like he's just way ahead of the curve. Like his baits look awesome. They run great and they're starting to catch some fish. And I'm hoping he remembers that we were like the first people to have him on when he gets famous for lore making because he's going to have his own booth soon. It's a matter of no time and everybody's going to know about these baits eventually. This guy's super humble. So I don't think that'll be a problem at all. Yeah. Yeah. And this guy is uh, Jake Lakovic. Lakovic Lures. He's a local guy, Pittsburgh. What's up, Jake? What's up, Jake? Going on, fellas? Dude, good to have you on, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. This is awesome. We're excited cool. to have you. Sorry, like you man. said, he's kind of a low-key guy. We don't, I don't think we've heard from him much. And this is the first time I've actually talked to him other than on the internet. This is the first real-life time meeting him. Yeah, besides just messaging back and forth and stuff. Yeah. yeah. See, Jake, Jake and I met in person at Musky Road Rules. What is that? That was probably two, three years ago, right? That was, uh, that was back in BC. BC times. Holy crap, dude. Before it was. COVID. That might have been 2019, <laughs> dude. It was right before COVID. See, I okay. feel like we lost that, that like grouping of years. They just don't exist in my Yeah, mind. they're mm-hmm. gone. The last so thing I remember is Musky Max, and then it's just like a blur. Yeah, because yeah, I think the Road Rules was right around the same time. It was right before Musky Max, I believe. Mm. That was like, right after Musky Max. The world shut down. Shit hit the fan. Yeah, yeah, that was like one of the best Road Rules like turnouts we've had in Pittsburgh, too. That, that was, was good. A, that, was, that was a great one. Yeah, that was the only one I went to, but um, yeah, that was awesome. It was a good time. Yeah, and it's 
like I said, his lore is kind of so there's like, it seems like there's a learning curve with new bait making. Like, guys come into the bait game, you see their lures pop up on the internet, and you're kind of like, eh, it's going to take them a while. But like, the first time I saw your lures, I was like, whoa, like these are like sweet looking. And I told you before, they kind of have a look to them. Like, I can pick a Lakific lure out of a lineup of lures. And it's cool to see that you kind of found your style so early on. Like, just yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of what I went for. Like, I want, like, you kind of have to have your own style i feel mm-hmm. you know like some people are super super detailed with like every little fine detail some people are are just you know it's big bright like bold mm-hmm. you know bold stuff and um you know i'm real into like bold patterns and things that like something is going to see in the water mm-hmm. like i'm not my personally like it looks great but, like i'm not concerned about every little vein in like a fin because when that <laughs> when that bait's zipping past at four and a half mile an hour they're not seeing it's gonna see that i don't know but are they gonna see perch bars yeah, yeah. they're gonna see perch bars you know spots some stuff like that um like i just thought it was really cool to see like a new guy come into i mean i don't know how i will get into that but i don't know how new you are to lure making but just to see your lures pop up and them to look so good right away i thought that was cool so we're pumped to talk to you, man. See, see where this started. And... I want to ask you too, because I see you're wearing a specific shirt over there. <laughs> we, we alluded to you being a local guy, mm-hmm. but, yeah. but, how, but how local are we talking about here? How local? Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up uh, Millville, like right, right outside of the city, basically okay. suburbs, right outside of the city. Reminds me, we, we, we were going to have Nate Budd, our old guest hunk, on for this one. He couldn't make it. He's at the Pens game, but he said to send his love. He's another. <laughs> he would have loved. The, he would have loved the shirt tonight and no, no veil and so, uh, yeah. For oh, anybody, yeah. anybody that can't see Jake's shirt right now, what are you? What are you wearing over there? <laughs> I'm rocking the Iron City. <laughs> rocking Fine the Pilsner. Iron City. <laughs> can't go wrong with that. Can't go mm-hmm. wrong at all. So that's, that's awesome. good stuff. So you're a local Pittsburgh boy here, and uh, born and raised. Absolutely. I don't know, yep. Tom, what, what you had, like, I, I kind of want to understand here. Cause it's one thing I haven't talked to Jake about. Like you grew up right outside of Pittsburgh. Like when mm-hmm. did you start fishing in general? Like, can you tell us the story from the beginning? That's where we always start. When did Jake lack if it get a fishing right, rod? We, we started from, from the very beginning here. Oh yeah. Uh, all the way back. All right. So it's going to definitely start with my dad. I mean, he's yeah. just a fish nut always has been always will be. Um, so a musky nut or a fishing no, nut? Just no, just fishing. No, okay. Not, not a musky fisherman. He's not okay. a musky fisherman. Pretty much everything else, though. Um, mm. So basically, as soon as I could have a rod in my hand, like, you know, we were out, like, I, you know, since I can remember, you know, we've mm-hmm. been fishing. And uh, growing up, you know, we just did all, all the typical stuff, you know, trout, uh, you know, crappy, bass, walleye, all that kind of stuff. All the Western PA things, trout opener. Yep. Yep. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. So that's pretty much where it all, um, you know, everything started. You know, we did, um, as I got a little older, we started doing some bass tournaments and everything, you know, okay. little, little bass club and stuff. So I did a lot of that. Um, you know, li- living in Millville, I was right along the river there. So mm-hmm. you know, by the time I'm, you know, 12, 13 years old, something like that, you know, me and all the boys are heading down the river. Sneaking down to drink and catfish and oh yeah, be hoodlums and <laughs> everyone was pretty hardcore from a young age. Like everyone was waking up like when it was still still dark. I mean, we'd wake up, you know, half hour before it got light out, mm. and we'd all walk 
walk down to the river, you know, it, was, it wasn't too far, maybe 20 minute walk. We'd all walk down the river, start a big, you know, bonfire and everything like that and hang out. And we'd be fishing as soon as the sun came up. And, uh, I think that's a Pittsburgh know. thing. Cause we did that too. A lot the the whole mm-hmm. fires by the river, just put the rods oh, in yeah. a Y stick and blast some music. Oh, yeah. And cause there's so oh, there's blast, endless yeah. places you can do that around here. I mean, mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, it was, it was, you know, a good time growing up like that. It was being able to go down there, having it so close and mm. going down there all the time. And back then, the Millville waterfront was not developed yet. So we had the, everything to ourselves. It was, it was great back then. The fishing was awesome. And uh, I mean, it's still, you know, I still, I still head back there and get some fish here and there, but I mean, maybe it's just me getting older, but you know, it's just, it just doesn't seem like it's quite as good as it used to be, but yeah. You now, know, did you encounter a muskie back then when you're stomping around with your buddies on, did you even like know they existed around here? Yeah. So uh, getting to the muskies, you know, just growing up, you know, you're going in all the bait shops, you're a little kid and there's always the muskie on the wall. You're staring at it. And it's just like, you know, that, that's what I want. Like, that's, like, that's awesome. You know, you see a 40 plus inch muskie hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. So now at bait shops, yeah. are you talking about one in specific that maybe I'm thinking of the old lock three or. Oh, I mean, yeah. Lock three is always, yep. you know, it was always one of my favorites and it kind of made me <laughs> want to cry when it was shutting down. I that's home turf. To- yep. Yeah, I was trying to talk to the wife, and they're like, you should buy it. Uh, Owen was, yeah. too. Owen wanted us to buy it. <laughs> yeah, she cut, like she wasn't totally against it, but I'm like, mm, yeah, it's like, it's a gamble. You know what I mean? Like, it's 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 a it's a tough gamble, but. Um, I just love that every single one of us wanted to buy a lock three. Everybody did. Every fisherman in Pittsburgh <laughs> oh, yeah. wanted, considered oh, buying yeah. lock three bait and tackle. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I talked to him about, about the price and everything like that. I'm like, I'm like. It goes wrong. It's gonna be bad. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> gonna be bad. Yeah. So I don't know. I you know chicken dot obviously. So. Yeah. But you so you never even but, ran. You just saw them. It was always elusive. You wanted one, but never accidentally encountered one. Or well, actually, I, I encountered back you know fishing with all you know all my buddies and stuff when we were younger. I actually caught small one. Might have been you know, mid twenties, maybe just <laughs> just a little guy. Yeah. Um. You know, just bass fishing. You know, using a jointed rapala throwing it around and everything and uh yeah i got a little like 25 inch muskie i'm like dude i'm like the back hair this is great <laughs> and uh you know that kind of gets you fired up um but still didn't get like really into it like i would see them sometimes when we'd be you know bass fishing I, my dad might have got one or two here and there just you know bass fishing crappy fishing all that kind of stuff then mm-hmm. uh the first time i really targeted one I think I was about 20. So it was about 2006. Okay. And um, my buddy told me this one spot that we fish is, it's like a Creek mouth. He's like, man, I've seen a muskie down there. And he's going on and on about it. And this is when I was like, it's trying, like I wanted to get one. So I went down, I took my heaviest bass rod that I had with maybe 20 pound mono on it with a uh, F-18 fire tiger Rapala. And I went down like the next day oh. and I'm casting Ryan's getting his eyes oh, lit dude. up. Yeah, I just yeah. lit up over here. That's like <laughs> that is the jam right there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. So none of the right gear, but you know, throwing like a decent sized bait, you know, and um, not you know, don't I, I don't know what's gonna happen. And about twenty minutes into it, I see this fish surfacing, like skimming the top of the water. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh shit, there it is. Like he wasn't lying. <laughs> you know, like, it's like Jaws. 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's like cruising around. And I'm just, you know, throwing at it, throwing at it. And about five minutes later, it followed me in. It's following me all. And I have no idea what I'm doing at all. Did everything wrong. Mm-hmm. It's following me in. And I'm just like starting to panic. I'm freezing up. I get it about 15, 20 feet from shore. And I just stopped the bait down in his tracks. Yeah. It's floated to the top. And this Don't know what else to do. Yeah. Like I had, I had zero mm-hmm. experience musky fishing. No one ever really told me anything what to do. So uh, I froze the bait and floated to the top and his fish kind of just came up and just took it. And I hooked <laughs> it. Like this goes against everything that they teach you. Oh yeah. yeah Keep it moving. Don't it. stop. Speed it up. Never yeah. stop it. Speed it up. But it, it took the bait. I hooked it. Fought it for a couple minutes. Got it in the shore. Um, now, did you it. have a net back then? Oh, you had a net. Well, not like a real. Yeah, not like a musky net. net. Just, like, like a yeah. walleye net. You yeah. know, like it. It went in there, you know. Stuff its head in and grab, wrangle the tail. Oh, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's yeah. also the Pittsburgh special right there. Yeah, the, the butterfly line. net. So I get this fish in. And, like, this is this is before smartphones. This is, you know, before. I'm like, no one's going to believe me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I caught this. It, I, I measured it. It was, like, 36 inches, um, which was legal at the time. So I'm, like, kind of freaking out. I'm all pumped up. I'm like, no one's going to believe me. So I called my dad. I'm like, dad. Like, I just caught this muskie. He goes, nah. I was like, yeah, like, I need a picture. Like, come down with <laughs> Yeah, the that's not a good start. The first guy doesn't believe you when you call him. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I call my dad, and he was only 10 minutes away. So, he gets a camera and he comes down there. And I, I, I mean, I might get some shit for this, but I mean, I, I put the fish on a stringer until he yeah. came down. Like, I didn't know what else to do. That's common. I mean, look at Owen's first one. We just posted that picture of him. He's got it all lashed up on a rope. It's, Mm-hmm. First, it's common of the back then. Yeah, I mean, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So he came down. He got a couple of pictures and uh, let her go, and that was the start of um, start of the illness. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was hooked after that, and it it went way too easy the first time, and it like ruined me after that. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's so hard about that, you know? There's someone said there's a fish, went down, caught it. Let's go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm awesome. I'm an awesome fisher. Yeah. They have a way of doing that. <laughs> that was wrong. Yeah. That was all wrong. So, uh, yeah, it was many, many tough hours on the water after that. And, right, that's, uh, that's like the first time we were talking about the Mon River before. The first time I ever fished on the Mon River for muskie, caught a muskie. And that, that, that was like our attitude. We're like, oh, my God, this shit's so easy. Like, the, literally the first point we pull up to, we throw a lure at it and catch a muskie. We're like, this river's freaking loaded. Oh, my God. <laughs> And mm-hmm. then it goes downhill. They have a way of doing that to you. They give you like a false confidence right off the bat and then crush See, your got, dreams. I had the opposite, dude. It took me like five years to catch my first fish. Dan can attest to this. Like, I think I went over 11 in the first Maybe. five years until I finally got. And guess what bait it was on? on <laughs> F-18 Fire Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, gee. But there was there was long long gaps in between after that fish. So, I mean, but after that fish, you went pedal to the metal on muskie. You like didn't oh, look back on you know. yeah yeah. I'm 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 looking. I'm trying to find baits and you know trying to and I I really didn't have any direction because I didn't have like a muskie mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't close. a big area for that. That's why like we were excited when we found you and realized how mm-hmm. close you were because I mean most of the people that do it around here like we kind of know them or know of them and. It's yeah. not real popular no. in Pittsburgh. No, 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 uh, definitely not. Yeah, if you see someone 
like I'll take my bass on. I'll go down to like the, the dams and stuff like that and cast around. And people start looking at you like, dude, what are you doing? Mm, what like, the hell is this guy throwing? I'm like, I'm mosky fishing, you know. <laughs> and uh, you know, they start asking questions. And I had one guy, I was down there uh casting at the dam. He's asking me questions. Oh man, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm just going down for like an hour or two. So I, I really don't plan on catching anything. I'm just seeing what I can do. It wasn't two casts later. Boom, fish. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, dude, I got one. He's like, what do you got? I'm like, I think it's a muskie. I don't know. I get it in. It was like 34 inches, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he was all fired up. I'm like, man, I'm like, this doesn't happen like this. Like, this Mm-mm. is like, it's never this easy. You know so. what's crazy about this, though? So <clears throat> you talk about the addiction starting. So mm-hmm. you kind of, you kind of started going down this path. Like, after you get your first fish, you're looking at baits. Like, what else were you going through, like, mentally, you know, to try to get – essentially get into the game to catch more fish? Because this is, like – this is always the progressional journey, right, that we talk mm-hmm. about. Like, oh, we, we all experience this. So what was the next step after that? Like, you're looking at baits. Like, what what else were you looking at to do to try to catch more muskies? I was looking – trying to figure out where I wanted to go mm-hmm. because I didn't know where, like, the best waters really were. Um, yep. so I kind of settled on, uh, Keystone power dam. Okay. And I used to go there a lot. Love uh, hate relationship so- for me with that place. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, I've had the same and I've had some luck there. <laughs> I, I, I've got some fish there, but mm-hmm. I, um, so I started going out to Keystone a lot and again, I didn't have any of the right gear. So like I start, I was I was like real anti baitcaster for the longest time, because every time I try, I want to get a backlash to drive me crazy. So I'm mm. out there with like basically like catfish rods and stuff, you know, throwing like 50 pound braid, 50 60 pound braid on catfish rods, and I mean it, it works. It's not ideal, but mm-hmm. it's it, it's legitimate. Like you you can get the nail on on gear like that. Um, it's a little more difficult. You're gonna wear your, yourself out a lot faster, but yeah, I would hit. I basically, I hit Keystone Power Dam a lot and I was seeing fish. Most of the times I went out there, I would at least get follows. Got a few smaller ones there, um, but a lot of frustrating days. Yeah. Uh, just trying to learn. Just trying to figure out how to troll um, because I was familiar with trolling, from trolling walleye and everything like that with my dad. But I didn't know anything about trolling for muskies. A little so, like, different. Oh yeah, I had the, the speeds. I, I mean, I'm trolling mm. at two mile, two 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 and a half mile an hour. Um, just throw like with, with spinning no, rods. Oh yeah, with spinning <laughs> rods. Like, no idea how deep my baits are. Just kept tossing baits out there. Mm. No, uh, no idea how how deep they're running or anything like that. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for on the 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 depth finder and everything. So yeah, that kind of went on. Just trying to learn went on for quite a number of years where I was just trying to get more and more serious and I was driving all my buddies crazy because I'm dragging them out. All my good fishing buddies, I'm dragging them out and we're not getting, you know, we're not getting fish most of the time. And they're dropping so, like flies one at a time. Your buddies, they're oh, like, I'm yeah. not coming again. Oh, they get all pumped when you say, let's go musky fishing. They're like, we're going to, we're going to slam some muskies. I'm like, uh, like, well, I don't know about slam them, but we're going to we're gonna see what we can do here. Then you start losing friends one at a time. They never come back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they slowly stop igno- answering those texts about let's go fishing. Yeah. So then uh, what really made a big difference was uh, my buddy, Adam. 
he's always he's like my right hand man when it comes to fishing. He's like he's down for whatever you know whatever goofy ideas I have, and um. So he's a for Christmas one year he he got like a guided trip to Chautauqua. This was like two thousand fourteen, I believe, and uh, he has me come over and he's surprised. He goes, dude. He goes, we're going. He goes, we got a musky guide. My whole goal was like I hadn't broken forty inches yet. It was driving me crazy. Mm-hmm. He goes, I got a guide. We're going. We're getting your forty inch fish and getting this monkey off your back. I'm like, all right, man, let's do it. So the guide that he had booked was Muddy Creek Fishing Guides. Okay. Todd Young. We had no, we had no idea who any of them were. It was just mm-hmm. they picked them randomly, and uh, we went out. We went out with Todd. He said, "We, you know, we want to cast." Like that was like our whole thing. Like we want to start out casting. Could do some trolling and stuff in between. We had them for like a day and a half, I think. And um, as soon as I got on, you know, we're asking them questions and telling them what we're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> like, it's just nothing's going right here. And he put a bait caster in my hand right off the bat. I'm like, I guess we're learning today. Like, let's go. And um, that's what you need sometimes. If you're doing it all wrong, you need someone to step in and be like, hold on. Y- yeah, like, absolutely. Back like, to the drawing need- board. Yeah, you definitely, you need that, that, uh, that musky, musky, um, you know, guru to kind of mm-hmm. carry you along. And what better one to have than someone that's been doing it for that long? I mean, that's a pretty good teacher oh, yeah. to have right off the bat. I was going to say, that's one thing with like Todd mm-hmm. and Vance and those guys, like they will teach you, you know, essentially not just like areas to fish and things like that, but they'll spend a lot of time with you in the boat teaching you all that stuff when you have limited experience. So that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he taught us a lot. I kind of learned how to, um, Uh Uh we just lost Jake. We just lost, we just lost our guest, our guest. How you feeling? Who me? I Uh got, yeah, I got, I got myself a little drunk at, like happy hour this afternoon so <laughs> we're at mitchell's downtown oh god yeah mitchell's fish market no 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 mitchell's mitchell's downtown like which is like right in the like the courthouse district uh, okay yeah i don't know that one there he is there he is don't panic it's all right sorry guys no, you're, you're good, good it happens that's all right we'll, that's be, able to, we'll be able to fix it all right yeah sorry that was my my dad was actually beeping in there right, i tried cool. declining the call so, uh, <laughs> was he like was he like how's the how's the hunks interview going <laughs> now, i don't think he knows what's going on right now i told him about it but he doesn't know what's going on right now so um so where was i where were we oh todd young baitcaster yeah put so, a baitcaster um, in your hand yeah he put a baitcaster in my hand and i kind of had an, like i kind of had an idea how to use them but i was just bad at it because i i was learning all my buddies bass rods and everything and um, I would try it a couple times. I'd get backlashes, get frustrated, and say, these things suck. Like, I'm out. Like, mm. I, I catch fish on my uh, spinning rods all day. So I went out with Todd. We got the baitcaster. I guess we're learning. And I didn't realize how much easier it is to learn a baitcaster with musky gear. Yeah. Just with the true. weight. The weight difference. The weight. The yeah, the weight. It's Those every- bass ones can be hard, man. You're trying to cast like a yeah. quarter ounce jig and they just. Uh, mm-hmm. So now, now, I, 
now I like never even use uh, spinning rods. I'm like all baycast with all my bass stuff and everything now. But with the smaller, with the smaller stuff, it's it's tough when you're trying mm-hmm. to whip a cast in there. Touchy, it's way more very, touchy than yeah. Very. So we went out with Todd. Um, we moved some fish around. Had some hits the first day. Um, I, I mean, it was a good time. We were out there for a while. Didn't land one. And then the next day, uh, we did some trolling. We just started out trolling right off the bat and um, got a 41-incher um, fairly early in the day. So got the monkey off my back. And uh, Now, did you ask him, to like, were you like, I want to learn a little about trolling? Or was he like, we got to go do this to catch one today? Or? Oh, I, I, I definitely wanted to learn some trolling, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I didn't have all the equipment to troll at the time, so I wanted to focus on casting mainly. Mm-hmm. But I was like, what, what does it consist? Like, how do you troll for these things? How fast do we need to go? What are you looking for on the fish finder? Little and, did you know you were opening a can of worms there. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> time. Yeah, there's a lot to it. But like I said, I am familiar with trolling from uh, wall, trolling for walleye up on Erie and stuff. My dad has a camper up on Erie. He's out there every weekend. So like trolling was nothing new to me. Just specifically trolling for muskies, it's much different. Mm-hmm. so you just have to learn a new discipline there for sure now when did the whole bait making thing come into the picture were you already like into woodworking and you're like i'm gonna build some baits or did you pick up woodworking just to build baits or how'd that go yeah i did zero woodworking basically but um i'm a i'm a, like a, a maintenance guy by trade i mean i, okay. I worked in a uh, i worked in a a meat processing plant for like nine years as a maintenance guy all right um, know your way around a saw yeah, so I'm always working with tools. I build all kinds of, I mean, I did a lot of like metal fabrication and stuff like that with all kinds of just stuff for the boat, stuff for trailers. And, you know, I, I, I build a lot of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, whenever it came to bait making, basically what got me into that was snagging up Lore's bank. <laughs> so got actually, a little expensive. Yeah, like I didn't want to musky fish from shore because I don't want to lose $40, $50 lures, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I was I have this one spot. It's 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 pretty snag-free for the most part. There's like a couple trees like off in the distance that, you know, I want to get kind of close to sometimes for some structure. But um, I ended up getting hung up on, on a branch on one of these trees. And it was like, it was, it was like December. It was cold. So here I am climbing out on this fallen tree over like freezing cold water <laughs> trying and i can see my bait it's just a little out of reach oh yeah that's how it always is that that's how it starts you can see mm-hmm. it so it's tempting to uh-huh so i got a hold of it i get it out as soon as i pop it out i slip fall right in the water like up to up over my knees freezing cold i'm like this sucks so i was done for the day after that but um i started thinking like you know, I'm looking at this, I'm like, you know, can I make something like this? Like, how hard can it be? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, it's not easy, but if you have the right tools, like you can do it. I mean, was dad a woodworker? Like, how did you, I mean, cause we talked to a lot of guys you need, like kind of need some shit to get into it. Like, how did you know what to get? Like, it was just the background at work or. Uh, kind of background at work. I mean, we okay. had, I had some tools and stuff to play around with at work. Um, I bought a bandsaw. Uh, to kind of get me going on cutting some stuff. Um, Dude, is, is that is that always the first thing people buy whenever they sounds start? like it? Because I feel like that was the first thing I bought. The bandsaw is like the gateway drug to lure making. It sounds like I feel like it might oh, be. Sure. 
for that's sure. what Owen got. Owen's over there cutting away blocks of wood already on his bandsaw too. Oh yep. yeah, dude. My 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 dad got me a bandsaw. Like he he went to a. Uh, he actually knew that that one of the neighbors up the street was was gonna be doing a like a a, whole, a a yard sale, like a fire sale of all their work, you know, woodworking shit. I gave him like five hundred dollars. Like he got me a bandsaw, a table saw, a router, um, oh, like a sander. Like I mean, you name it. Like he yep. he basically outfitted my entire shop for five hundred dollars just by. It, it really the bandsaw is really the main and that's really what you need you know in terms of getting started in terms of in yeah. shaping things like you know yeah. making mm-hmm. getting shapes and because the sanding and everything comes after you can shape it with the bandsaw mm-hmm. surprise owens here i guess people don't know that yet yeah. hello <laughs> owen seaman and bigos bucktail i snuck i snuck in here yeah he snuck in the back door here He's like 12 so, beers deep. Yeah, 12 beers You're deep, fresh right. off a happy hour. <laughs> there you go. You're damn right. <laughs> so I I started with a bandsaw. Um, I had a buddy of mine. He's like a carpenter and everything. He had some wood tools, and he had some, like some old stuff laying around. I told him what – he's that's my good buddy I fish with a lot. And uh, I told him what I wanted to do. He goes, man, because I have some extra – few extra tools. He gave me like a router and some other stuff. And another friend gave me like an old belt sander and uh, – it was enough stuff to kind of get me started without, you know, breaking the bank too bad. Are you mainly doing like you cutting it? Are you cutting the shape out and then using the router to, to shape the edges? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's how I, that's how I get that. all get that started with all that. Um, that's amazing to me though. Cause like just looking at your baits, it looks like you definitely had a background in woodworking. I mean, nah, nah, like, not, not <laughs> a lot, lot of, lot I of, thought, you know, Probably I thought maybe Aaron. dad was a carpenter or someone like, I don't know. It's just, See, it's impressive. I had, a, I had a little bit more insight into this one. Cause Jake and I talked a good bit like bait okay. making, like trying to like build crankbaits and stuff. And, and honestly, dude, it's one of those things where you get like local guys like this and you're, you're talking almost like basement bait building. Mm-hmm. And it's like this whole, I don't know, just being able to like talk to guys that are on the same level and go through where, you know, certain things like based on where you're at, in the process like it's dude that's a huge help but i mean like okay well i will throw you under the bus ryan not to talk smack on the galashad but you're looking at two guys i mean you didn't have much experience woodworking oh, either right no. so you're looking at two guys with very little experience little to no experience woodworking that made their baits and i think they're kind of different looking baits not that the galashad's not beautiful in its own oh, way dude, ryan, no but no but, but that's but that's the, diff- that's the t- difference though like it's impressive it's i feel like when you when you try to do that, like I had a goal in mind, like I just want to catch a fish on something I made. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't made a single bait since, and that was way different. You know, that's way different than what Jake's doing. Like mm-hmm. Jake's putting out legit musky lures, catching fish. Like, like I, I would buy just, them at a musky show. Like, how, right, like right. they're that good looking. They're, but but the point right, is, like, so so <laughs> so let me say this: I came in here late, so maybe bit. you guys have covered this a little bit. But like Jake, where did you start? Like, what was the size? the size of bait that you were like all right my first foray into bait making is going to be either a 10 inch bait or a (laughs) five inch bait or like where do you start so i kind of like went like right in the middle i uh started with a six inch bait six inch glider um oh glider okay 
Yeah, that was the, the the first thing I ever made was a glide. Well, yeah, the first thing I ever made was a glider because I didn't have any lips or I didn't have any of the stuff to make crankbaits. And it just looking at it, it looks simple it, enough, right? It, it looked like the simplest mm -hmm. thing I could make. It, not necessarily now that I know now, but, <laughs> but it looked like the simplest thing. And you know, just watch a lot of YouTube videos and everything like that. Um, you know, watching uh, what's his name, Sam Sam Scott mm -hmm. down down in uh, Virginia, mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know, he's fishing all those rivers. I'm like, that's very similar to the rivers that I'm fishing. Maybe mm -hmm. not down in the city pool, but I fish up up uh, up north a good bit too, from like mm -hmm. anywhere from like Franklin up to Tynesta. So it's those rivers are a little more similar to like what mm -hmm. skinny, fishing. fast, yeah, exactly. And he's using a lot of glide baits and stuff. That's a, a popular thing that he uses up there. So I'm mm -hmm. like, why not start with that? And um, so I just took some, you know, some of the lures that I have laying around, kind of spread them all out and say what do i want this thing to look like you know something like this and kind of came up with a simple shape you know just cut it out you know trace you know drew it out on a piece of paper this is kind of like my method where i'll just like get a piece of paper draw it out and see if it's like do i like this shape you know kind mm -hmm. of measure how big i want it and just kind of make a shape in there you know i might look at some pictures of just random bait fish i you know take myself or find online mm -hmm look at other lures, whatever, you know, it's just some kind of inspiration and kind of mm -hmm. make something that you think looks similar to what you're trying to imitate. And um, so I drew it out, you know, traced it, cut it out on the bandsaw. Um, just kind of went along with it, you know, the, and the first paint jobs were simple. And when I tried getting better, they, they were bad. I mean, they just, they weren't good. Tried overcomplicating it and, Oh yeah. I tried getting yeah. too fancy, like way too early. I didn't have the right equipment to really do a nice job. And I didn't, I, I had no concept of like how I'm supposed to like prep wood. Like I'm basically just like spraying paint, like right on the wood without any mm -hmm. prep. Not like no idea what I'm doing, but they looked okay at first. Did they run out of that first glider? Was it like a total turd or did it work or? It wasn't bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't a total turd. And, um, like I would like test it in like a five gallon bucket to kind of try to get my buoyancy right and everything. Balance it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just, I balanced it, kind of got the buoyancy right. And, um, eventually went out with, uh, with my buddy just, you know, down here nearby, uh, we were doing some walleye fishing and I, this one spot gets like stacked with walleye and perch and stuff like that. Uh, in the quarter months. And I always hear the walleye guys talking about running into muskies. You know, they're, they're always saying, Oh, you know, we got a, 45 inch or, you know, jigging for walleye, and, mm -hmm. you know, they always seem to be nearby. Everybody that's not fishing for muskies is always they're the ones that tell you about the muskies. Oh yeah. Here. So we go down, we're, we're fishing. And, um, I, I remember the, it was April 1st. It was still pretty cold out. The water was a lot. It's unusually clear, you know, not gin clear, but unusually clear for the river. And, I'm just, you know, working this glide bait and it, it kind of works. It doesn't look too bad. And I see this fish come from far away, come up and just smoked it. it wasn't a muskie. It was ended up being like a 24 inch walleye. <laughs> and my, my buddy's like, I, because I can't believe you caught something on a bait that you built. Uh, my buddy Bill was saying that. I'm like, I'm like, this is cool. Like I'm keep going with this, mm -hmm. I guess. That's a good indicator. I mean, if those big walleye around here are smacking your mm -hmm. muskie baits, they're going to work, I think. So then I stuck with it and like 20, 20, 30 minutes later, I ended up getting like a, you know, mid thirties musky. 
As soon as it hit the, hit the water, I was like one cranking smack. He took it, he got it in. I'm like, I, I guess they work. I, mean, yeah. I, you know, I was kind of like shocked. Um, so it was good to get early success to get confidence mm-hmm. in building baits. Know that you're doing something right to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I know. I, don't, I think it was you, Jake. Uh, maybe I'm getting you confused with someone else. You sent me a video testing or tuning one of your lures, and I noticed something in the background. I'm like, are you at a Burger King right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a little place I test them. <laughs> Wait, no, I noticed that on one. Yeah. I noticed that on one of his recent videos that there was a Burger King in the background. Yeah, yeah. there's like yeah. a Burger King with a pond behind it that really yeah, yeah. piqued my interest. Where is yeah. that? Like, are you at you? Like, I don't even want to burn the spot, but because yeah, like, he said there's fish in the pond too. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that's actually uh, Pine Creek. Um, I've never seen or heard of anyone catching a muskie that far up that creek. It's, I mean, it's fairly down not at the mouth, impossible. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible because I mean, you get some walleye, and, I mean, there's bass, some walleye mm-hmm. and stuff up there, nothing ever really big. Um, but I mean, if anyone wants to fish it, go for it, you know, have, have fun. Uh, that I'm sounds like my it. dream spot, honestly, to be able to catch fish and run right up to the BK Lounge, get a Whopper. Huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. But it's a good spot to test, <laughs> test some baits because it's fairly deep there. Got a little water. Go get it your way. Mm-hmm. Have it your way. <laughs> I just I didn't want to get off track. That was just something I noticed in some of the bait tuning videos. I was like, wait a minute. Are yeah, you at Burger a, King, Jake? Yeah, that's an easy spot for me to swing by whenever I'm uh, <laughs> it's all It's on my way to work, so sometimes I'll leave, you know. 10, 15 minutes early, test a few baits out, see if they're running okay. And So that, that is not where you caught the muskie, though, on the glider. No, no. no, okay. no, no. I wish. It's, I mean, it's close. That'd be that nice. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. So. But so then yeah, I, I noticed, that. I mean, you're making a lot of cranks now. When did that happen? Did you, you trans, you didn't transition completely away from gliders. I know you still make some gliders, but. No, 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 no. I still, I still have, um, I updated them. Um, you know, got a few new ones that are, that work mm-hmm. a little bit better than that original. But, um, yeah, so I, uh, trying to think how it even happened. I actually used the same body I used for the glider. Um, okay. didn't, didn't put any, any lead in it or any, or just very little lead just so it would float, float mm-hmm. right. Uh, but I didn't want it to sink. And, uh, I just bought a couple lips and threw a lip on one and it, it kind of worked. Um, you made that for casting or were you making them for trolling right away? Yeah, I, I mean, I was just I was just trying to make something that worked at first. Just work um, anyway, yeah. Yeah, any way I could, and mm. uh, I cast it around like it worked. It worked okay. Um, I don't think I caught any fish on that one specifically, but it worked, and that was like a starting point mm-hmm. to get me going. And uh, just kind of, you know, you you keep on working out your your issues with your bait over time. Mm. You know, like my, my my biggest issue at first was. You know, all those first baits, I called them one-hit wonders because they'd get hit one time, and you wonder what the hell happened to my bait. <laughs> all, the, all the paint would just shed, shed right off. The, the epoxy would crack. It would just fall apart. So the first step was, you know, how do I get it to stick? Like, how, how do I get mm-hmm. everything to stick together and stop from falling apart? So, you know, you work on that. Then you're trying different sizes. You know, I'm looking at all my different musky baits that I have that I've, I bought. and trying to kind of, like, you know, see like what's hot, what's working, and I want to try to make something that aligns with that. So, like, Jake, Ryan, I got, I got to stay. Here we go. On, I got to stay on brand here. What kind of epoxy do you use? Let's go. <laughs> uh, I use True Coat. 
Um, I've been using okay. it for a while now. The first baits that I used, I got some shit from Home Depot and highly don't recommend um, because it would just crack. Like it, it was too, too hard and brittle and it would just crack and it was just like a nightmare. Okay, so I have I have some true coat now that I've been I've been using as of recently. Mm-hmm. And do you have any trouble? I I mean I have a little bit of a hard time getting it to set like really hard. Meaning even when it's completely set, it's not like super hard. You can you can put your fingernail into it. Yeah, um let me see like some of these baits uh I mean I haven't had too much issues with it. I mean, yeah, you can you can kind of do that with that. Um, you don't want it to be like real hard though, because then that's when like if it's like, that's softer, when it cracks. Yeah, like if it's a little softer, more pliable, it's not going to like crack as easy. It's not as brittle. You know, people think harder is better, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, you know, you want it to be somewhat soft. Mm-hmm. And that's that something I've I've run into. Like, yeah, I mean, like if the harder the epoxy, the more brittle mm-hmm. essentially, mm-hmm. and it would crack easier. And so, yeah. you know, there's kind of this, this balance between the malleable, you know, you don't want it looser, to be mush like those tough right, shells, the looser, the squishy the tough shells. Epo- right. The looser epoxy, but then you, uh, you know, because the looser epoxy won't crack, it will just kind mm-hmm. of dent, so mm-hmm. to speak, you know, it'll, it, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like I'm I am 100 still in the in the process of trying to figure out what's the best type of epoxy for what I'm for the medium that I'm working with, which is mm-hmm. bucktail blades. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a weird it's just a weird thing, man. I mean, I I just can't. I have not. I've yet to figure out what to you know how how to how to do it. And you you, you got to worry about too like you can't put too many coats on a bucktail blade i would imagine no, because it gets too way. heavy mm-hmm. and and the problem is is the contact point like okay so when you're when you're doing a when you're if you want to epoxy a a a, a crankbait all you got to do is clamp that lip to mm-hmm. your your wheel and it 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 just goes round and round but mm-hmm. with a bucktail blade you don't have that independent lip that you can that's not going to be coated there's always something epoxy. touching like, yes yeah. like you you the entire thing has to be coated in epoxy and so mm-hmm. that you then you have like i i use these little alligator clips but even those alligator clips are always touching you know they're always touching something yeah. and so if you if you leave the epoxy on there too long it creates a like a crazy bond between the the alligator teeth and in the blade. So it's like, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out like the best way to epoxy these blades without epoxying everything, you know, like everything that I have attached to it. You need to get one of those things. Do you remember from like Idlewild and like play places where you would drop like the ball in the air tube and it would like hover the ball and you could like play with it yes. and smack it. You need to get like one of those. You just drop the blade in it and it'll just shoot it up in the air just, and just, and just get covered hover, in epoxy. Yeah, and... Hover right. In, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is work. Ri- this is ridiculous. The, the, the cl- it always forward it always, thinking it always Ryan goes back to epoxy questions, doesn't yeah. it? That's mm-hmm. 
Well, I, I told Jake. S- Jake, Jake, right off the bat, he's like, what could I expect? And I'm like, uh, probably a lot of BS, and Owen's going to ask you what kind of epoxy you use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Complete circus. No. All the time. <laughs> yep. Pretty predictable yeah, there's a lot over of, here. I mean, there's a lot of little tricks to the epoxy, too. Like, just trying to get the air bubbles out and stuff. Like, it's it's a pain to try to really get, like, a, to really get a nice finish. See, that was one thing that Jake helped me with. And that was like the exactly that the air bubbles, like you have no idea. Like you have a heat gun, mm-hmm. you can basically leverage a heat gun to get those bubbles out of there. And, uh, and do you torch stuff quicker? Do you use a torch or a heat gun? Me, I I, I use a heat gun. Um, it's worked. I mean, I know guys use torches too. Uh, heat guns work for me, so I've just kind of stuck with it. Um, but you got got to know like when when to put it on and how to do it because. When I'm putting like the the final coats on, that last coat is like the most important. And what I like to do a lot of times is I'll put the the coat before it on, and like right before it's like I, I don't want it like completely dry. I just want it just like just a little bit, little bit tacky. I've and heard put, that before because you then, almost want it to like melt, like because if you leave it a little bit tacky and a little bit like you know malleable, then mm-hmm. that second, that next coat of epoxy is actually going to like kind of soak down into that. It, yeah, it bonds and it creates, yeah, it creates almost like a, a thicker, more, more, mm-hmm. more stable epoxy. No, I totally get that. Because what will happen a lot of times if you just if it's completely dry, say you let it sit for a few days, or whatever, you come back to it and you put that last coat on. I mean, you could get lucky and it'll it'll go on nice and perfect, but a lot of times you'll get like a, like a spot that like the epoxy doesn't stick to and it kind of moves away from. So it's like it looks like you can see like bare spots almost in in the epoxy, and it looks kind of crappy. So you either need to do do it that way, where you you know put it on before it completely sets up and everything, or if I don't have time to do that, I'll get some like. 600 grit like sandpaper and just scuff the whole thing up real lightly uh-huh. which, which can be nerve-wracking because if there's a spot that you didn't get the epoxy to cover on it and you hit that paint you're going to take the paint off but if you're real careful and do it like that it'll adhere to that real nice too and that's the other way that that it can be done uh-huh. Owen. <laughs> i just saw owen the door open behind owen and a plate of food come poking through the door I, I, think, he, I think drunk Owen just got fed. I Look, there he's he, back smiling with a slice of pizza now. <laughs> I honestly thought he ran away to try the epoxy thing. It's <laughs> like, I gotta I, uh, do this right now. Just a slice my, of pizza. Beautiful, my beautiful wife brought me some pizza since I'm, I haven't eaten anything. Near the edge. She knows you're near the edge. She's trying to just put some carbs in you. <laughs> bring you back to life a little bit. That's awesome, though. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm glad I don't make baits, man. It sounds like epoxy is just a nightmare. It's, I mean, it's not terrible. There's like so many like little tricks to everything that you have yeah. to like go by, or else it kind of just you know you put so much work into a bait, you don't want the last step to look like shit, you know? Yeah. You know, and that so. seems like where all the guys struggle too. They have this beautiful bait with a beautiful paint job, and it runs amazing, and then they strike out on the epoxy, like the last, like you were almost there, and then you blew it. Yeah, not that it's the end of the world, but it, it just makes it look so much nicer. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it does. And it makes it the bait. I mean, so, granted, some guys like to bait to take on wooden baits to take on water and get all roughed mm-hmm. up. But I mean, who doesn't want their bait to last a little longer and look pretty for a little longer? I mean, no, but really, yes. the epoxy is the end of the world in the sense mm-hmm. of like that is your last step. That is the step before you're putting it out to the world. Mm-hmm. And if that last step isn't done correctly, it can look like shit mm-hmm. and that bait can be perfect. And you just put hours and hours of time. Yes. It. And in time into tuning it and doing whatever you need to do, like, you know, to make that bait absolutely perfect. And you didn't epoxy it. Right. And some dude's going to turn his nose up at it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? To be like, Oh, look at the epoxy around the lip here. Yep. You know, I'm not going to buy this shit. Yep. That's the hard part about the musky world though. You know, it's like you, I feel it's like tough this, crowd. Is a, this is a labor of love. Like you guys pour everything you have into making a lure and then you present it to the market and you're like, that's what you get. You know, it's like, oh, there's this little dribble of epoxy here. It's just by Musky nature. Guys, they're kind of like Mr. Wonderful. If you ever saw Shark Tank, they just always hate you. No matter what they're always looking, they're always like horrible. Get yeah, out of my sight. It's that. Well, let me ask you, Jake, something that. Listening to the Fat AZ uh, review, which they were, you know, Vance loved, and those guys, yeah. they were incredibly, you know, effusive praise of the baits, of your bait. And, and you know, but one thing I remember is that I, I thought it was someone mentioned that it was a screw-eye bait. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, it doesn't look like a screw-eye bait if it's got the toe point that comes all the way through the bait. I mean, that that's a that's a... That's a, a a wire through bait, right? No, no, no. That 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 is a, a screw eye bait. Okay. Really? Yeah, yeah. So so tell me about that. Like how? I mean, I don't know how that works. I mean, because you because you seem to have the toe point that comes through the lip, right? Yeah, I I have that wire in there basically as far as I can get it um, before it, it hits the screw. And I use uh, you know some different types of epoxy and stuff like that, and just fill that hole up with all the epoxy I can. And I try to uh, put some grooves in that, that wire before I stick it in there to give, give the grip as good as I can and stick it in there with the lip and everything. And uh, then pin the lip too. So, and so the lips epoxied, the toe point is epoxied and there's a pin. I've noticed that pin down through the nose, down through the lip. Mm -hmm. So there's like, three points that would have to fail for that. Like, I just, I, I don't, I can't picture it happening because no. you can't, you can't pull that wire through because it's in the lip and the lip is pinned in the bait. Mm-hmm. So even if that thing wasn't even epoxied in there, if the wire itself wasn't epoxied in there, you still have the epoxied lip and the pin up top. A so backup I, I, and a backup to the backup. Yeah. yeah. And then I, after all of that, I'm putting several coats of epoxy over top of the whole bait on top of that, that are also holding all that in. So it's not yeah, going I, anywhere. Yeah. I, I, I haven't had one fail yet. Knock on wood. <laughs> I'm just like getting some complaints about it now, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's well, been, yeah. It seems to work pretty well. I'm glad you said that. Cause I mean, there are some fish getting caught on them, right? I mean, I keep seeing videos, mm-hmm. your buddies are whacking them on them. I know, like I said, before we started this up, I had the scariest trolling hit I've ever had on one of them. Uh, like I, they're, they obviously they're working and, yeah they're not just yeah. pretty they're not just pretty to look at yeah and that's like the biggest thing like i i want something like 
there's a lot of guys that make some amazing baits that are just detailed and look mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic paint jobs that I cannot do that are just way out of my league. But I don't want to put that much time into a paint job if it doesn't catch fish. So my, mm-hmm. my, my, my biggest goal is I'm not saying their bait. I mean, I know their baits catch fish and everything, but mm-hmm. I, my, my focus is my biggest concern is the action, the quality of the bait, how it's going to hold up. Mm-hmm. And then, then the, the paint job after that. Mm-hmm. So that's Looks kind of the icing on the cake there. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. And they, they look good. They run good. I mean, You've been posting some videos of some bigger stuff you're working on too. These like real aggressive, larger trolling baits. Like those are sweet too. I yeah, saw. the 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 seven and a half. Oh yeah. Yeah, there's one right there. Okay, like a shad style kind of. That's similar to yes. like your five that you make. They're all kind of shaddy. Yeah so, yeah. so here's the. There's a difference between them right there. So that's a five and a half, and that's the mm-hmm. seven and a half. Like a drop belly oh. shad kind of. Yeah, drop belly shad kind of thing. So, you know, you kind of think of like a and was the, shad was that, or a shad or something, like kind of similar to something like that. And now that wouldn't have been the first crankbait you made, right? Because you said your first ones you made were the, the glide bait body, right? So when yeah, did you, when did you was, transition over to the whole shad kind of thing? Was that like to learn to troll? I'm guessing that was when I you started trolling. Deeper. Okay. I wanted something that goes deeper. Is what it for, was. Uh, for trolling or just cat like everything or yeah yeah this, yeah. this was this was whenever i i really wanted something trolling so okay. this one right here is probably the closest thing i have to that original one um this is four and a half inches long okay the original one was six inches but it was the same body i just shortened it up mm. um so you it was you know a shallow diver probably yeah. down a couple feet um you know three three maybe four feet on a cast something like that um but I, I wanted something to get down a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was just started looking at some deeping, deeper diving baits and trying to you know, see what those guys are doing. Cause there's so much out there. So many different baits out there. You can look at a hundred different baits and kind of get some ideas and kind of brainstorm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to go cop. I'm not trying to copy someone else's bait. Like, oh, that's no. the last thing that I, that, that I want to do. But, well, um, that's that's what I meant earlier. Yours don't look like anybody. You, you definitely found kind of your style already. Like I said, I, you could show me 15 baits, and I could pick a lack of Lore out of that lineup, not knowing any yeah. of them. It's it's cool. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what, what, I, what I'm going for. Now, so, uh, so I'm guessing you built, you started to build those trolling baits with speed in mind. Were you finding out that the, the casting yeah. ones weren't exactly meant for PA trolling? Yeah, I mean... I did troll them a little bit, but I, I was having problems with blowouts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And once you start, once you, it, it, it gets funny. Once you start getting like over three, like you start getting like four mile an hour, all of a sudden a lot of baits quit, quit working at like four. So that was like my big goal. Like I, I want a bait that's going to dive deeper. That's going to take the speed. Mm-hmm. So the, the first versions of these, of the uh, Shad and that, the, the five and a quarter, um, they were good. They, like, they casted well. Some of them trolled well, but I, I must have been kind of borderline on my design because uh, I had a few that, that trolled well. They had a lot of movement. They moved all over the place. Mm-hmm. But then some of them were, were kept blowing out. and Eventually, they they'd give out. Right at that like four-mile-an-hour mark. You know, you go three, maybe three-and-a-half, you're okay. You hit four, and now they're blowing out. And I'm like... I don't I mean, know. I was listening to the Fat AZ review, and Gear Man Steve seemed to you know he he kept saying that he was running them up to five miles per hour and 
they weren't blowing out. And like he was like, dude, these things kept well, running. I think he's saying the know. older iterations, right? Or, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Is that the older iteration? Yeah. That that was probably like the one right before this one right here, because that was mm. still a that was still a maple bait. This one is cedar. I kind of went all cedar now for the trolling baits at least. Um, the uh, are you putting any weight in them, or are you just? Is it just these the weight? The, the five and a quarters, no. They seem to uh, float like they float upright. They troll nice. They do well. The seven and a half, if I don't if I don't weigh it down, it'll float like kind of on its side. Okay, it's not going to float right. Um, it still runs, but it won't float right. So yeah, I do add weight with the seven and a halves. So do you think is that like why baits? sometimes tend to suck at fast speeds is it like a weight issue i mean what did you have to do to yours to make it run efficiently at high speeds i think the biggest thing which vance actually mentioned this and like i i i don't i don't know vance at all i've never Mm. met him i I, you know and uh he mentioned he he went into the 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 toe point a lot and yeah that really like that really like hit home. I was like, is this, is like, is this guy like reading my mind? Because I put a lot of effort into that toe point because I started out, the lip was a little bit higher mm-hmm. and it was too high on the bait and it gave it a nice erratic action, but it was too much for high speeds. So I spent a lot of time playing with this toe point, moving it up and down, you move it down too much. You lose a lot of action and it's not quite what I wanted to do. You have it up too high. It's too erratic and too you much. get blowouts. So finding that like, you know, that middle point where you got nice action, but you're not blowing out was key. Mm-hmm. So I think that that was the biggest, definitely the, the biggest con- contributor to having this thing run correctly. All right. So, so cool. um, let me ask you the toe point. How do you adjust that? If this is a screw, eye, I guess I'm trying to wrap my head around. Okay. If it is a through wire bait, that bait is that that wire is going to come through at a certain angle. You know, mm-hmm. it's coming through at a certain point. Like, how do you? I'm looking at the bait that you're showing there, and our listeners can't can't see what what you're showing there, but it's it looks like a through wire bait. It does. So, where does the wire begin and end in there? And, that, and that's just my question as a bait maker. It may not make any sense to any of the listeners out here. As I'm, I don't conceptually understand how you can have a a screw eye bait that looks like that. Yeah, because so it looks like, like a, a three or four inch piece of wire that's bent and mm-hmm. looped up around the lip, yeah. and but rather than just a little round screw in thing for people. Yeah, can't yeah, see yeah. That. Like a screw eye bait. Look, it's just like you take the screw eye and you put it screw in there, it on in. It's a little it round and hole, and yeah. that's the point where you put the swivel on, whatever. Yeah, this looks like you, a yours, four inch yours piece does of not wire. Look like that at all. Yeah, so I have the the, the screw eyes for the hooks, the the, the hook hangers, right mm-hmm. there down there. This is basically going up as I have that drilled as far as I can into this bait. Basically, until it, it hits the screw eye for the front hook. Okay. okay. Do you tie it in there? Like, I, is it is it hooked in there in some way to that front hook configuration? No, it is not. I have okay. it. I have it epoxied in there. I try to make some like grooves in the wire itself, so it kind of has something to like, mm-hmm. grip onto. Um, I, is I don't, is that necessary? I don't know. 
it's just like my own thought on it. And um, yeah, I just, it's, I fill that hole up with epoxy, stick that in there. Well, I have all this together. I have the, the mm. lip and the wire all together. So I'm sticking, right. I have this it all fits in. The, the lips epoxied, the hole was epoxied, the wires epoxied, everything gets slid in there and clamped together until it dries. And then I put that pin in through the nose, down through the lip. Mm-hmm. So it's, 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 I mean, a, I think it's pretty secure. Okay, for that, so, the for pin, that. so the pin, so the final pin is mm-hmm. once you have the, toe point inserted and secured with epoxy you then put an additional pin to go through where like the nose or the head it goes it starts at like the the tip of the nose kind of like on like the top of the nose and it goes down all the way through the lip so now that lip even if there's no epoxy you're not pulling that out right right that creates a another i guess toe you know stop point Contact, point of contact. An, yeah, an, it's anchor an anchor point. It's an anchor point. Yeah. yeah. And it would be a pretty secure one, considering that it would be like opposite. If the if the screw is going in this way and the lip is going this way, mm-hmm. like you're a perpendicular you know, kind of yeah. It's a perpendicular joint and it's gonna be a pretty secure joint there. So I, I, I totally get how that that would make it secure as opposed to simply the epoxy and the yeah. wire yeah, like, going up in there. Yeah, like I, I, I think I think the epoxy and the wire and the lip. I think that that is very solid. I don't oh see that. Oh god, yeah. But there, I was just like, I want a little bit more. I just want something else to kind of make me feel warm and fuzzy inside, so that I know that that lip isn't going to get pulled out if that epoxy fails. Because the other reason I started pinning lips was on one of the other ones. Um, that are not that do not have the wire it's just a, a, a literally a typical uh screw eye bait where it's mm-hmm. not going through the clip and uh my buddy uh adam you know he i usually every just about every bait i make for like the first ones he gets he gets one too because he's out there i tell him okay, go beat the shit out of it see what happens you know what i mean mm-hmm. you break it it's see the dude that like was diving in diving in the river to yeah nice yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. i was gonna ask you about that a little bit later Man, I tell you what, I didn't even I didn't even say a thing. He didn't bat an eye. I'm trying to get this snag out, and uh, we're working at this thing for like ten minutes. It's not coming out. And then I just hear him. I just hear him throw something, and he just jumps in the water. I was like, "What the I'm hell?" I'm getting naked. Yep. <laughs> he just th- throws a shirt on the on on the boat floor and jumps in, and. He's like, I got you, kid. I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. And uh, he went down and just followed the line down. He goes, it's hooked on a rope, anchor rope. Mm-hmm. Anchor rope, of course. Yeah. And, and uh, he gave him a knife. He went down with like a knife knife in his mouth or something. I don't know what he did. He went, you know, all crazy on me, all savage, and went down there and just cut it. <laughs> got my bait back. I was pumped. Knife in the mouth. Yeah. Good night, mate. Something about that freaks me out, like swimming around hooks, like near the bottom. Because, like, what if you freaking like, what if you get hooked to that rope down there? Like, oh, you got to make yeah. a decision at that point. Am I ripping this hook out of my hand, or am I drowning here? Like, yeah, I kind of thought about that after the fact. Um, so I'm glad. I'm glad he he, he got the bait back. So guy's got some back. cojones on him for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a question, but I don't want to move unless. I don't want to move away from the actual making of the bait yet, unless mm-hmm. you guys are ready to do that. Hey, I'm ready for whatever, brother. 
wherever the wind takes us. Right. So yeah. I want to know, like, this is, this is one of those things, right? Like you're, you're making these baits, you're out there fishing them. Like, what was it like for you to catch a muskie on something that you made? Can you like explain that feeling? I mean, dude, it, it's, you know what it's like just to catch a muskie period. Like your first one, you know, your first couple, like it's, it's, it's crazy to, to catch a fish that is so difficult to catch on something that I made, like blew my mind right off the bat. Like I was like, I can't believe this actually worked. Like it was like, it was amazing. Right. It was awesome. It's yeah. it's like you, you put all this time and effort into it and you spend this mm-hmm. time in your basement or your garage or wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of the winter or wherever it is. And it's like you have, it's not, it is certainly not instant gratification. No, you know, you, you, you put a, in, and to have it work out when, you know, months later, when you're out on the water mm-hmm. and have those, those times of trying and, you know, in your basement, wherever to have it turn out and work is seriously one of the like best feelings I've ever had. Oh, and yeah. just accomplishment. It, finding uh, catching a muskie is amazing catching a muskie on a bait that you built on your own is a whole nother ball of wax i look at that like like the 99 yard drive for a touchdown mm-hmm. late mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter like you've got all of this like conceptualization like all the stuff you're planning all like the way so many the building. so many things that can go right go wrong you know like so many things you got to factor in and you deal with flags and everything else. I just was curious, like, what does it feel like to punch it over the goal line? I mean, it's awesome. And I think the only thing, like, better than that is when someone else has enough confidence in your baits to use them. Yep. And they catch something on one of your baits and send you the picture or tell you the story. That's where it, like, really is, like, because when someone else catches a fish on one of my baits, like, I feel like. I got the assist on that, you know. For sure. I mean? Like I feel like like I, I I was like part of that catch, you know. I helped Absolutely. that moment happen to some degree, and it just like that that really like that that really fires me up whenever you know I get a picture or a video or something like that. And well, that's happening me, now. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely. Like- and let me tell you, and and that's kind of what's cool about this this homegrown musky bait business is that. People that catch fish on your baits will include you in, you know, their celebration, so to speak. Like we mm-hmm. talked about, you know, big fish Mike or like Tom calls him Magic Mike. Magic Mikey. Yeah. You know, he he caught a big fish on a, on one of my spinner baits, and dude, he you know he asked me to come and have my picture taken with him at the lax uh you know booth with the fish that he caught on my bait and it's like dude i wasn't there i didn't do anything i didn't have anything to do with this bait other than he caught it on a bait that i made and it that was a really freaking awesome thing and it changes the way you look at oh what you do in the in your basement during the winter Mm -hmm. it's like wow this this thing that i'm making now could actually change somebody's life in some certain way oh yeah and like my my time that I have to fish, I mean, it's it's pretty limited. I mean, I I my job, like I do shift work, I work a lot of weekends and stuff like that. It's you know sometimes it's, it's hard to you know find time to get out as much as I'd like to. I, I have you know two two little kids too, so um you know they require. How old are your kids? Uh, 
My youngest just turned two, and my older one will turn four uh, in December. Oh boy, I got so, you're you you're know, in they, the you're they, in the thick of it. Yeah, they require a lot of attention, and I I love it though, man. It's great. I tell you what, the only thing better than someone else catching a fish on one of my lures is taking my daughters out fishing and seeing them real efficient. That's awesome. That's like the next thing. Um, you know, I, I get, I get Charlie out. Uh, Danny, she just turned two. So she, she's been out on the boat and stuff like that, but she hasn't reeled one yet. But Charlie's, I, I'm, I, I'm working on the variety of species right now. You know what I mean? She's okay. got a pretty good, pretty good variety. So. Well, that's um, the thing. I mean, I a lot of those, I feel like that's a good way to start the young kids. They don't necessarily want to go suffer for 14 hours to catch a muskie. No. They want to, they yeah, want to go bend uh, some it's, rods. It's hard, and... it's hard to, I learned that early on. Like the kids are not interested in, spending hours and hours and hours i would much rather play bobber down with those kids than mm -hmm. than go chase muskies you know mm -hmm. and just to keep them interested and 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 hopefully in the years to come and i see it with my kids like they are absolutely 100 interested in muskies like mm -hmm. they they know that's what daddy talks about all the time they know that's what daddy's podcast is about they know that like they know muskies are the thing but they also want to just kind of enjoy fishing you mm -hmm. know and i and i want them to just kind of enjoy fishing oh yeah that's that's the uh that's the gateway drug there just getting them getting them whatever you can you know whether yeah. it's i you know i take her out for bluegill we'll go and catch I, I i tell you what the good one is taking my fishing for creek chubs and suckers and stuff like that and then keeping them for bait productive yeah free labor yeah, yeah. Exactly. Child just labor. don't just don't tell that just don't tell your kids that they're going to be used as bait yeah. for later. You know what? Charlie goes out with me and we use them for bait for walleye and stuff. Uh, like that. Really? Yeah, she goes and she just wants she wants to play with them half the time. She's always yeah. trying to pick them up. But uh yeah, so we'll go catch crick chubs and then we'll turn around a few days later, go out for you know walleye or catfish or whatever. And um yeah, so she doesn't even hmm. she's she's down, she's into it. That's funny. That's awesome. I love That's that awesome. you're taking them down to the crick. Down mm -hmm. to the crick, <laughs> get some crick chubs. Down there, gonna go get some crick chubs down there. Oh, yeah. down there yeah might as well give her an iron city yeah. <laughs> god we start them young on those around i was here. raised on the creek sipping on irons yep. that's right baptized in there down there oh god, god. i love it so it's what my favorite we're talking about these baits getting better and better what does it feel you talked about what it feels like catching the muskie on the bait what does it feel like hearing your baits talked about on such like a big podcast like the fat az one like i saw on facebook i mean your whole family was pumped up your friends like your everybody around you like that they all took it pretty seriously and oh, it was yeah. cool yeah i mean everyone knows like you know I, I show everyone what i'm doing people ask and stuff like mm -hmm. that um so yeah i mean i'll kind of go into that little story there so I was last spring, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was a Andy posted posted something on I don't know what social media. So I don't know if it was Facebook or Instagram or where it was, saying that they were doing the the um, bait review, um, and they were looking for people to donate baits. And you know, it said the whole thing. You know, we'll do the bait review on the podcast and everything, and then the baits will get uh, you know raffled off. And the uh, money made from the baits will go to the hatchery to fund the uh, muskie program and everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, and I jokingly like told a couple of my buddies, like, I'm like, dude, check this out. I should send a bait in, like not being like real serious about it. They're like, yeah, you know, go for it, go for it. And then a couple of days went past and I'm just, I I'm thinking like, that's probably more for like, 
actual like bait companies like hardcore guys, people yeah yeah like guys like putting out lots of baits that are looking for advertisement trying to really push their products and so i kind of you know didn't think anything of it then i'm talking to my buddies again like a few days later and they're like just send your bait in i'm like nah, i don't think i'm gonna do it man i'm like i think i, I don't think it's really for like a guy like me or something i think it's more for someone like, like an actual company that's selling i mean i i am not making money off this like no. not really like maybe I, I I give baits away sometimes. Like it's not paying for the bills. Yeah, like it's enough to keep it going. I'm making mm-hmm. enough to kind of like buy more supplies just to, to refund the hobby. Yeah, and and to to fund my musky hobby a little bit. You know what I mean? If yeah. I want a new fishing rod, I, I might try to you know pull out a couple baits and throw them on some sites and stuff. Yeah, but that's that's all I'm really doing. I'm not getting. I'm not too crazy right now. I don't have the equipment to do much more than that right now. Mm-hmm. So that's all. I you know. Talked well, my wife, you know, she she told me she goes, So, why don't you just send it in? You know, what do you have to lose? I'm like, Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I probably should. Yeah, I'm still bouncing around. And luckily, my, my buddies will shame me until I do something that I, think <laughs> I should do. Those are know? good buddies. You know, ah, I want you to take your skirt off and send it in, you know, what are you afraid <laughs> of? And all that kind of stuff. So, after a little bit of public shaming, I was like, mm, like Screw it, you know. I had a couple I had just made. Um, I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I can send. You know, I made a couple and they can't. They turned out real nice. I'm like, I'll, I'll send one of these in. But to be honest, I didn't even have time because, like, they needed the baits uh, for, pretty soon. Like, he's like, oh, there's like a week left to send them in or something. I'm like, man, I gotta get this in. I don't have time to like go out and troll and test it. Now I had tested some before that that were uh, very similar, but that specific one. I took it down the river and like hassled it around a few times and did the best I could, but you can't tell if a bait is going to take four, four and a half mile an hours of, of trolling speed by casting. casting. No, you know, like it's just not going to happen. Mm-mm. Sometimes baits will run for even a couple minutes before they blow out. Yeah. You can't sustain four mile an hour casting at all. So I'm just like, I don't know, guess I'm going to wing it kind of, you know, said a little prayer and send her off. And as soon as I sent that, I'm like, instant like anxiety. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna embarrass myself. This thing is gonna run. <laughs> they're gonna talk shit. You know, someone's gonna talk shit on it. You know, it's like they're gonna not even gonna mention it. <laughs> gonna pretend yeah. they never got it. So I'm like, I'm like, and this was like in the springtime. I'm worried about it. And like months and months, and I, I knew the review wasn't gonna come out for a few months. So this whole time, I'm thinking, like, man, like, what did I do? Like, now nah, whatever. And you didn't hear so, from them at all. Like they didn't. I didn't give hear you a hint. No. I didn't hear a word. And then uh, one day I got a message from Andy saying, Hey, you know, this is Andy from, you know, the fat AZ podcast. And, uh, you know, we just want to do like a quick interview to get like a backstory and everything like that. Uh, we're going to do the bait review pretty soon. I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, you know, he asked me a bunch of questions and we're going through and, you know, he asked me the name and like, I had been thinking about names lately, like, at the time, but I wasn't really sold on anything. And uh, I'm like, I don't know. I've been kind of tossing names around. I said, I kind of like the name Shad in that. You know what I mean? It's like a Pittsburgh ah. name. And it kind of has like, I, I wanted something with like a nice ring to it that people. I like that. That that you think of that like, you know what I mean? You're not going to like forget. Like I got tired of posting pictures and saying the, the Ladovic five and a quarter inch deep diving crank. It's like, it's a mile long. Mm-hmm. It's like too much. It's like, oh yeah. He got a Shad in that. It's just, I feel like it sticks. It's like kind of, 
Would you get him on? For I got him on Shadnet. I got him on Shadnet. I like that. For, man, for, our, for our Midwest listeners, though, we got to explain the Anat. Yeah, I don't know. Like, they're like, what the hell are these guys talking about? So who wants to take that one? Ryan, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, we have a lot of like goofy things that we say here in West. Warsh. Pittsburghese. Like yeah. it, it's what it's called. It's Pittsburghese. Everybody and knows yins, I think. It's the, like the another best, yins. The best way I can describe this is if you guys go out to the YouTube channel and you look up Pittsburgh Dad. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we all had an uncle, a grandfather, a dad, somebody in our family that was exactly like Pittsburgh Dad. Mm-hmm. And in the Anat, at least from where I'm at, always came from like the next, uh, you know, the next thing in line. Like it was just like, oh, you, you know, you, you need uh, you get to go down to pants and at. They have more than just <laughs> pants. <laughs> the pants and at. Yep. So it's it's just an extension of what you're talking about, essentially, is, you know, an at. Mm-hmm. It's just another way to say, you know, an at. That's a good description. It's pretty good. So I thought it was catchy. It's I thought it kind of like kind of represented like where I'm from. It's kind of catchy. It, it sounded okay. So I just kind of came up with that on kind of on the whim. I, I thought about it a little bit beforehand, but I didn't know he was going to ask me that question. So <laughs> put you on the spot. There. Yeah. So that, but then I, I asked, I asked Andy. I said, "Hey, like you know, what do you guys think about it?" And he said, "Well, to be honest, you know, I don't really do the reviews. You know, the you know like advanced and, and um." Um, gear man, gear man, gear man. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, they uh, they were doing all the testing on it and stuff like that. But Andy didn't he didn't tell me anything that they said. He goes, yeah, so I don't really have any information on it. So like, that's okay, kind of so torture. Like, that's a little suspenseful. Yeah, so like I had no idea, no idea what they're gonna say. And uh, but I'm kind of glad that it did go down like that because it kind of made the moment like hearing the podcast more special. Yeah. Cause I had no idea what was coming. So you so, were listening to it as a listener as everybody else had pretty much. Yeah. That's no cool. idea. And like, like I said, I, I, I've, I've never met Vance before. I had no idea what he was going to say. Um, I'm, I've met Todd before, but he wasn't on, he wasn't on that, that episode. So, uh, yeah, it was real nice. Uh, me and my wife, I, I came home from work, and my wife sat down with me. I told her, I was like, I was like the podcast is out. Like, you know, let's let's check it out. And I'm nervous as can be. And he started talking about it, and like uh, the whole time through my head, I'm like, I'm like, okay, where's the butt? Where's mm-hmm. the butt? This is nice, but could you? But this. the paint fell off of it. But yeah, <laughs> and, and and I was so worried about the way it ran because, I mean, I've caught like I've confidence in, in my baits, but I I. I pretty much test every bait, mm-hmm. every single bait before I, I send it out to somebody. I test every single one and try to make sure that it runs right because I don't want to give someone a bad bait. Like that's my big, like I'm my own biggest, like I, I'm really don't want anyone to get a bad bait. I, mm-hmm. I want all my baits to run right. And I didn't do that with this one. So I was a little nervous. Ooh. Um, See, this is then, magnified though too, because this isn't giving it to one of your buddies or giving it to one mm-hmm. of us or, you know, mm-hmm. a local guy. This is, you're giving this thing to one of the premier guides in the industry, you know, exactly. to do a review on the biggest musky podcast essentially in the country. So I and, get that. And, and to 
to hear the things that he said about it, no, like knowing his experience and you know how respected he is in the Muskie community, was like really blew me away. Like he, like in, I waited till the end of the podcast and I never heard the butt. I never <laughs> heard the butt. I'm like he, and and I, I looked at my wife. I'm like, he didn't say one bad thing, did he? Did you hear what I heard? <laughs> I, I was like, you know, did I, am I, did I hear that right? Like I was like. In, in like shock so uh i i listened to it again i listened to it probably five times that night you know no. I, I kept so but after like the the first time i listened to it but my, my buddies knew it came out and they listened to it too and uh as soon as i like kind of like got my stuff together i'm like man like I, that was pretty cool my phone rings my buddy adam again like i said he's been with me since like day one with these things like he he tests everything and diving at him yeah diving at him the diver him. okay yeah and uh he calls me he goes kid they didn't say one bad thing <laughs> I was like, I know. He goes, listen we're going full production we're getting it together <laughs> i'm like dude listen listen love the enthusiasm love the enthusiasm i can't quit my job i gotta work <laughs> So let's not get too crazy. I said, how about we start with like a, uh, maybe the uh, lore swap or something like that. You know, we'll, maybe we'll start there, you know, see if we can get a handful of baits to go to the lore swap and maybe make like a booth at, at a show, a goal, maybe like a year from now. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, that was, uh, it was a really, I, I, I didn't really expect to kind of like have, like, I, I got like kind of like emotional. Like I was like, yeah. I didn't really expect cause you put so much time and so much effort into building something to run correctly and to really be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. And when someone that's that well-respected recognizes everything that you did and points, like I said, it was like, he was reading my mind, the things that he pointed out with, um, with the, uh, uh, toe point and like all, these, all like, stuff you spent effort on. You put a lot of effort in that. Put, yeah. And like, he really noticed the things that I put a lot of emphasis on. I was like, man, mm-hmm. like he knows what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome, dude. And I mean, that's yeah. that's the thing. Like, you can make something and you can think it's so good, but until mm-hmm. someone else gives you like that confirmation or that like that reaffirms mm-hmm. you, like you're doing it right, that's like what really matters. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially like you said, someone like that. It's no schlub like me or Ryan being like, "Hey, dude, your bait's cool." It's like someone that does this, that has done this I mean, for a long time. And like I said, there's a lot of beautiful bait. I mean, enough practice painting. You can make any bait look great. Yeah. You know, but like, I, I want them to run good. Like that, mm-hmm. that's my, like, I, especially with, with this five and a quarter, I, I, I knew what I wanted it to do because I look at a lot of the baits around here that are catching a lot of fish. Like think of like a, um, like a Leo Mojo mm-hmm. or maybe like a Bosch ad or something. So like, I, I wanted something like in that like size range, mm-hmm. you know, something that's going to be a good, like summer troller, it's going to be erratic and just trigger strikes. So like, it, you know, it, it took a while. It took several, you know, several, you know, generations and like constantly working on this bait to kind of get everything that I wanted out of it. And it, it finally came together and to get like the, you know, the praise that it did, I was, it was uh, very, very fulfilling. Well, they deserve it, man. Like I said, I've, I don't, I'm not like, they, they joke with me that I'm the trolling expert, but I've, I ran them all this year and I loved them. Like it's staying on my boat. It stays in the trolling box. I have full confidence in it after getting it 
destroyed. I was so bummed I didn't catch that fish because it was the first day using it. But yeah, in due we, time, my friend. We want to see local guys, particularly around us, be successful. Absolutely. You know, like, and if you got, if you guys think about, and and a lot of people outside of Pennsylvania don't really give the credit where it's due. I I feel like we've got a lot of talented bait makers and a lot There's of guys lot. that have really like that are staples in the industry guys mm-hmm. that have been doing this for years and years and years and baits that are sold all around the country and up into Canada. You know, you talk about the history in Western PA, like that 79 belt, right? Like 79 belt big. Yeah. Like the Wiley's and the Leo's and the Brian Boyer's. And there's just like Elwood city. Elwood city. <laughs> like, oh, say, but, yeah. What's in the water out there? I know. Yeah. But I mean, they pump them out. So what, you know, my, I guess my question is, this is kind of like a, you know, when you look at the history, even like the Latiano, right? Like Latiano was like one of the grandfathers of musky fishing around here. Like he's probably one of the more well-known bait makers. Like, what does that mean for you? Like, you know, a newer guy that's, that's putting out baits, like did any of that history like around the 79 belt, did that, did that impact you like to make you want to build baits or, you know, have you looked at that stuff and yeah, I'm just curious, like, is it, has it impacted you at all? I think the, the style of baits was a big influence because you can, because those guys are making baits that are going to work on the waters that they're fishing, which are most, most of them I'm assuming are going to be fishing locally. Most of the time. I mean, I understand a lot of guys will go to St. Clair and, you know, all kinds of places, but it's like, like, you know, I'm not going to make, I mean, I have like a 10 inch bait that I make, mm. but that's not like something this, we see most a lot around here. Though. Yeah. That's you don't not, see yeah. like, that's maybe something you might see in like Canada or mm. like, you know, out in Minnesota or, you know, where they're using a lot more big baits. So yeah, I think a big influence was just like the style and like the size of the baits to kind of point me in the right direction on what's going to work here because that, that that's my my first goal because i mean i'm not going like i i mean I'm not saying i would never do it but like right now like i'm not, I'm not going to canada i'm not fishing Canada. i'm not going to minnesota mm-hmm. i'm not going to these bodies of water that require gigantic baits everywhere mm-hmm. so that's why most of my baits like you know i have the 10 inch but like you know seven and a half about the biggest baits that i'm making right now for the most part um so like so that, you, like five, that five to seven inch range, I feel like is like a it's like a, a Western PA influenced kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you can see that. I mean that that whole shad thing, the shad trolling bait, like the high speed mm-hmm. kind of like you. I, I noticed that too. Like you hear guys in the Midwest talk about their trolling baits. That's not like really on their list of criteria that it can troll five mm-hmm. miles an hour. Like. Yeah, that's not even in their realm of worries. But PA, man, that's like the number one thing. If that bait can't go five miles an hour, it's like most guys don't want to even have it in their box. Yeah, I, whenever I have a bait that doesn't troll up to five, like it's I, I'm throwing it's going back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, what do I have to do to get this thing to go to do what I want it to do? Yeah. Something I liked about you sent, I know you sent me too. You sent me one of those ones you're talking about, the shad's mm-hmm. shape, the, like the five inch trolling bait. And then you sent me another one, the shallow lipped. And you said it, it, it's meant for trolling or whatever, but I was casting it a lot. And I like that, yeah. that it's like I can kind of transition because a lot of the, 
I mean, you take like a smaller Jake, for example, like that, you're probably not going to do well getting that to hold at five miles an hour, but like the, the little twitch bait you sent me, it's what, like a little six inch twitch bait kind of looking thing. Yeah, I think that one is, I think that one's five and a half. Yeah. It's even smaller, man. And I can get that thing to go five miles an hour or I can cast it and twitch it. And it's, I like it. I tell you what, I really like it. Uh, casting those things like uh bank anking mm-hmm. because I don't have to worry about snagging as much. You know, like, yep. I don't want to, I don't want to cast my deep diver. I'll, I'll get them hung up. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick but um yeah those those little uh five and a half you know the the six i make the um got a couple right here like this yeah. right here i have a five and a half this is a this that one's actually a six inch suspending bait oh, okay um, which is uh i like i like casting this a lot I so mean, is that yeah. like a twitch bait yeah yep and I mean, like I, mine, like I said, I dropped it. I did notice it first. I dropped that shallow diver one and I had to tune it, just tweak it the tiniest little bit. But as soon as mm-hmm. I tweaked it, man, I control it, cast it, whatever. It didn't matter. It's yeah, it's cool. Oh, it's yeah, like a yeah. Swiss army knife crankbait kind of. Yeah. I th- actually, Ryan, this, this bait actually started with that, that four and a half that I think you have and developed into this. So this kind of yep. goes back to your, your, um, winter fishing tactics that i know you like to do yeah it's kind of it's kind of where i got the idea for that bait where i was like okay i want something you know smaller for you know springtime or you know fishing creeks and stuff like that and that was kind of like my inspiration for for this line was uh some of your some of your videos that you posted and hmm. some of the stuff that you've shared on the podcast and everything Ryan and Reed, you're an inspiration to, to just about everybody. Uh, let's not go that far. You you are. Uh, mm-hmm. I uh, dude, the, the so this is to me. This is this makes this even cooler to talk through this because you know when you start making baits, and I don't want to sound like I'm. What was the term that Rob Plocky used? I wanted to touch on this at some point tonight because I don't want to feel like I'm always spitting. It's just spitting like, heat. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So that was great. <laughs> it's like every everyone on a podcast they think they're spitting, spitting fire. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't spit fire. We 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 talk truth and we sound like idiots at times, and that's fine because it's because we are. We own you know, it, but we own it, and and I'm fine with that. If I'm gonna Me be too. the guy that's always spitting, I might as well keep spitting. I I own it. I I absolutely I love it. that. And, and Rob Plocky's a good dude. But where I was going with this is like you making baits, like you can really kind of come up with solutions for different tactics, different scenarios. Like, cause you can just go to the drawing board, you know, draw something up and kind of figure out what you want to do for that specific scenario. And that's kind of the beauty of what I would consider, you know, local bait making and things. Cause then you don't have to go out to, and, and search for those types of solutions. Like you just build them. So I guess that I don't want to say it's a question because you kind of alluded to that, but you know, how much of, how much of that are you doing now? You know, you've got the shad net, you've got some of the baits that you're comfortable with. Like, are you still experimenting and looking for I, solutions all the time? I just, because I'm crazy because I, <laughs> the wheels are always spinning. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. like I, I'm just, you know, just always trying to get like me sitting around doing something and like something pops in my head and it just keeps on turning. It's like, Oh, I I want a bait that can do this. So a lot of the baits that I make are like, I'll make them specifically for spots 
or either spots that I fish or, you know, if I know I'm going somewhere, like if I'm going up, uh, up my, my buddy's place up north on the Allegheny, I'm not making like I like to make at least a bait or two every time I go, you know, on, on a trip. Like, I get out mm-hmm. maybe once a month. So that gives me enough time that I can get a bait done. Gives me a few weeks. I can get a bait done and use it on my trip. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going up on like the Allegheny up north, I'm not making a bunch of baits that are going to that are deep, diver. deep, deep diving yeah. trolling baits. I'm making, I'm making my you know some glide baits and stuff, mm-hmm. um, things like that. But then if I'm going trolling, I'm making some trolling baits. So yeah, it, it just like you said, Ryan, like it's a lot of what I'm doing. I'm making baits to fish the way that I fish. So just, I'm sure you guys covered this before I, I joined this podcast late tonight, but like if someone wants to see the baits we're talking about here, because we've shown some baits to each other here on, on, you know, the zoom call, but our listeners can't see that. If our listeners want to go and see what we're talking about, where can they go? Is it your Instagram page? Is it Facebook or where can they go? Yeah, definitely my uh, my my Instagram page, uh, Facebook. I, I kind of got away. F- I, I'll post some stuff on there once in a while, but not not too often. Uh, mainly my Instagram page is where I'll post all my stuff with my baits. Uh, you know, Ladovic underscore lures, and um, yeah, I think I pretty much have all these, pretty much all my baits on there to try to show the action and what they do. Now, do you have any any plans on? getting a booth or anything or like presenting them. At, I think you should musky max or anything like that. I want to, I don't think it's going to happen this year just because I, I don't have the equipment to really like, I have a question for you. Yeah. How, how many baits do you, does someone need for a booth for it to be like worth to go out there? Like I can't go out there with 20 baits. Why sure not? Yeah, you could. Sure. You could. Okay. So the booth costs about $350. It, it honestly, it depends on what you want to get out of it. If you want to go if you want to go out there and make money if you want to go out there and make money no you're not going to go out there and make money it with with a you know with 50 baits but are you going to go out there and get your name out there for the next It'll year because to be perfectly honest with you the you know unless you are an incredible marketer like you're going to stand around and twiddle your thumbs at musky max for a good portion of the time no matter who you people, are people are there to look for certain baits they're going to come and look at your baits. They're going to want to see a couple of ex- examples and their mm-hmm. chance of them buying are, are not great. You're going to buy, you're going to get some buyers, but you know, your first year there is more to get your name out there and to have a booth and to have a presence. And then really it's more, I think year two where you can really returning customers, having, people yes, coming and, back. And hey, you can plan yeah. on having more of a, an assortment, so to speak. But, you know, I, I think if you would have 50 baits, like that would be more than enough to, to make it worthwhile. You know, especially, I mean, everything in life is, is a long term. I look at, I look at things in life, not just as a short term, you know, what, what can it make me this year? Or what can I do this year? Like if you really wanted to get a booth at Musky Max this year, it would not be to make money this year at all. Yeah. But like who knows? You, there's always the possibility you could too. Like sure. it's, there's always I mean, the chance. Sure you could. But if you if you said to yourself, "Hey, I want to simply use this year to 
get my name out there. You've got a you've got, got some momentum with the Fat AZ podcast with the review. Oh, yeah. You know, those guys, it's always easy. It's always helpful to be able to piggyback on something like that and to get a booth and say, hey, look, here's my bait. It was reviewed on Fat AZ. You know, mm-hmm. you know, if you if you sell 10 baits at 35 bucks a piece, you can listen there. There are money back. I'm not yeah. going to throw any brand specific under the bus by any means, but there were met multiple people that we saw at that show that showed up with a whole lot of lures. And I told Owen many times, I'm like, I don't know if these guys have sold a bait all weekend. Like I felt no, genuinely yeah. horrible, oh, no. but dude, at the same dude, time, the first year, yeah. the, Tom, the first year, like in 2020, I, I didn't make any real mm-hmm. money at all. Yeah. I mean, but it was absolutely 1000% worth it. It's still I, fun. It's... I, I, I got the best new, new presenter award, mm-hmm. you know, new exhibitor just, you know, and that, that didn't have anything to do with how many baits I sold. Like they didn't know how many baits I sold. That was just people saying, Hey, I like this guy's baits. And so that kind of get, that is what really gave me the incentive to really keep doing it it wasn't the bait the, the amount of bait sold in my first show at all it was mm-hmm. that people kind of took notice and said hey i think i think this is a, a a cool thing that this guy's doing and they voted for me for to be the the best new exhibitor mm-hmm. that really like said to me hey it's not necessarily about the money it's about like what are you putting out there yeah. and you know dude it's it's about let's talk about the money i mean for me i'm having fun man like this is like, like this is like this right is, it, it, it's a work of art it's a mm-hmm. work of art and i love seeing guys catch fish on my face yes and the, the, there's only so many out there so it's not like i'm getting i have pictures just rolling in every week or anything like mm-hmm. that like, but i get one every now like here and there every now and then and uh it gets me like i love it like that's yep. it gets me going you know i think so, the perspective thing here is key too because like owen spoke to that and Really, like when you go, when you're ready to get get that booth the first year, mm-hmm. like that's your expectation. Like you just keep it exactly how Owen described it. Like you're not there to, to sell out. You know, mm-hmm. you talk about some of these other guys at shows, you know, that's not where you're starting, but you got to start somewhere. And Most, if, there, if yes. there's a show, if there's a place to start, in my opinion, you know, you mentioned the lure swap. That's a great that's a great thing yeah. to start there. That, yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask next. Yeah, but yes. Mus- Musky Max, that is the biggest draw for Western Pennsylvania when it comes to people in musky gear. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of guys go through there, even if it's twelve hundred people. You know, that's still one of the biggest events. But dude, you get active in the club and stuff, and that's another way you can get your baits out there too. Like donate a bait or two to mm-hmm. to Musky Musky Zinc. The and, raffles, yeah. To have the raffles go and. Dude, before you know it, like it, it takes time, but it starts know. somewhere. That it, someone it, it, that right. someone yeah, that comes right. to my mind. We talked to him a while ago, Bo Whittington, Bazooka Bates. I remember he he was telling us his first show he ever did. It was in like some high school auditorium. He sent me a picture from it. He standing in front of this little wimpy board with like fifteen baits on it. That was Bo back then, and now he's selling baits on Facebook for like two hundred a pop. People are bidding them. He's not setting the prices. Pete, the, the musky community is valuing these baits at hundreds of dollars a piece. Also, dude, people love stickers. That too. I, yeah. I have one. I have one of your. <laughs> I have one of your stickers, and I love yeah. it. Like, yeah. dude, just get some stickers. Uh-huh. And it's an investment. It's an investment in the future. Oh, if you're gonna yeah. do this, and you just 
you you do it right, like Owen said, and you mm-hmm. just stay patient and mm-hmm. don't get frustrated because over time, and Owen can attest to this, like eventually people are going to pick up on this. They're going to start buying baits. And mm-hmm. comes with time. Is, it comes with time, and, but the biggest thing is they catch fish now, dude. Like that's the biggest yeah. thing. Yes. And I mean, the the I biggest mean, thing is getting the hand, getting the baits in hands of people who are going to actually fish them. Okay, because uh, and that's my biggest thing is if someone buys your bait and it's just going to be a, a a box rider, you know, I don't want that. Like, I, I'm sorry. I, I want you to fish my bait, like even if you hate it. Tell me I, what's I, wrong like with to, it. Yes. Yeah. Fish it and tell me how much you hate it and tell me why you hate it. And, and then maybe I can fix it. But you know what? Fish it. I don't I hate it when I send people baits. And, and, and I don't see that they're fishing, the people are fishing them because it's kind of like, what, how do you expect, how do you expect to give me any feedback? How Mm -hmm. do you expect to give any type of feedback? If you're not actually putting that damn thing in the water and running it the way you expect it to be run and telling me whether or not it works or not. Like, that's what I want to know. And and that's what, like, I, I, I've turned people down plenty of times just because like, we were talking about um, so posting stuff on social media. Like I used to post more stuff on Facebook, but a lot of what happens is they look cool. You know what I mean? Baits look cool or flashy, everything like that. And I get a lot of people messaging me, "Hey, you know, you selling those?" Like p- people that I know that aren't musky fishermen. They just, right. they're just people go down, screw around, fish a little bit here and there. Oh man, I want to try one of your baits. I'm, gonna, I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'm testing these baits with eighty pound test. You know fluorocarbon steel leaders stuff like that i i fished with you before i know you're using eight pound mono to catch bass this is not what you want like this is it's not gonna run right for one you know using you know 10 pound test because i'm not testing it with that i'm testing Mm. it with i'm trying to test it with proper musky gear so i I would get so many people that once there are people oh man i i'd pay you 20 bucks for that i'm like well you're not buying it because i can't afford yeah. I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm giving that away like i can't afford right. like all these things at, at, at 15 20 dollars if i could buy it for 50 if i could buy baits like this for 15 20 you wouldn't be, be making them. them yeah right that's, that's where it started right you know because I'm, I'm snagging you know 30 40 lures in the river so no it's true and like i feel bad like i don't want to deny people but i'm like i'm like i'm like hey like this isn't really what you're looking for. Like, I, yeah. you know, well, in the I, early I, stages, honestly, you have Jake, to. If, if you, if you did it right, that. if you did it right and you, and you did it with the right type of expectations. And I think that's where people kind of get into this stuff in the raw with the wrong expectations. Like they think they're going to go to musky max. They're going to put up their booth and all of a sudden they're going to sell out. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? I don't care how good your bait is. I don't care how perfect it runs. The fact of the matter is that, that people are not going to buy it because they haven't seen people catch fish on it yet. Reputation's everything. Yes. If, if the, you, you, start, you start putting fish, you start giving it, putting those baits in the hands of people that will catch fish on them. Those fish will sell baits for you. Mm-hmm. And and it's not even about the bait itself. Like it's, you got to get it in the hands, even if it's giving it for free. There, there ain't nothing wrong with giving away your baits for free if you think it's going to the right hands. Mm-hmm. That's what I've done. Um, you know, I've seen guys on different guys on like YouTube and stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, 
you had your channel, Ryan, Tom, I, I, I seen you, or I might've heard on the podcast or seen something on your Instagram, like, oh, man, I've been doing good trolling lately. So I hit you up. I'm like, I'm like, I'm looking yeah. and seeing what, and then what, I blew what, it. Then I, then I crushed Jake's dreams and <laughs> missed the only opportunity I had. And Tom, and Tom said, oh, I'm already an expert troller. <laughs> I don't need any of your baits. But like, I see what guys are doing and like whenever I see guys doing things that either that I'm doing or that I want to do and I'm making baits to do that, I just figure, okay, if I can get these baits out to these guys, that's more hours in the water, more, you know, more time in the water, more soak time that mm-hmm. my baits are getting more chances of them catching fish yep. rather than just me. Cause my time's limited. Jake, I can do so I, much. I've given away so many of my baits and it's with a purpose. 100% with a purpose. You know, it is not like, oh, I'm just giving away because people, uh, I just want, you know, he's just, nice. they're not worth anything. No, I'm giving them away to people specifically that I know are catch that, that are fishing on big fish waters that are the people that I think are in a position to, to catch a fish that can, you know, change your bait because mm-hmm. really that's what it takes, man. Yeah, one big one. Yes. One, one, you get a 50 on, on, it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be busy. It's the musky psychology because then that everybody else thinks, okay, if I get this, I mean, mean, they could be right too, but like, they think I need this bait because it's going to do the same thing for me that it did for this other person. Yep. I think I I need to pimp magic. I need to pimp magic Mike's fish on my, on, 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 at the booth this year. You do. You know, he got a 50, what was it? A 52? 52 or 53, I think. Something like Maybe. that. 52 or 53. It was, it was a big fish. It's a big fish, man. Yeah. And then suddenly now, and then Owen, do you remember which uh, bucktail spinnerbait was the hot seller then next time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same <laughs> the thing. The exact one yep. that Magic Mike the, got the, the 50 birch, on, the same the pattern. Birch, yep. Yep. That's absolutely. how it works. That, I sold black out of perch. those immediately. I had some action on that black perch. I didn't land it, but I had some follows in the spring. Uh, we were passing around on the river up there, right boat side doing figure eights. Just wouldn't, just didn't bite. I'm like, oh, yep. I was this close on the big O. But that, it's funny. That's how it works. I mean, Owen, he probably brought a dozen, maybe two dozen varieties, and the one that there were none left of was the one that we, he had bucktails and spinner baits, and it was the spinner bait that Magic Mike caught that fish on. Word yeah, gets around. That, that's all it takes. Yeah, I mean, that's what sells baits, man. You catch. You, you and and you that doesn't happen by accident. Meaning, it doesn't have to be you catching the fish. Mm-hmm. Chances are, it's not going to be you catching the fish. It's you getting it in the hands of somebody who's going to catch that fish. That's what's going to change. You all of a sudden, you can put a big sign up at Latkovic Lures, you know, on a, a booth of someone catching a fifty. Don Senior holding a fifty. You know, it blows my mind though, because that color that Mike caught that fish on. That's like, dude, that's like an industry standard, like just ca- fish catcher, dude. Like it is. It, and, and honestly, that's not one of my favorite patterns at all, but it's by far one of the, like the best selling patterns. I don't, I don't like to throw it that much. I mean, it's, it was a gold, it was a, a gold skirt with the black perch blades and a, in a gold, a gold like lead blade. And it, you know, it, not exactly my my choice, but man, it catches fish, dude. So, do you guys feel? Do you guys feel like? Do you feel like those those types of colors, like Jake, when you're when you're painting baits, like you got the profile down, you got the action down, like when you're painting baits, do you sit there and think to yourself like, these are colors that I want to fish, 
or do, are you thinking like these are colors that are going to sell? Like how, how do you approach painting? It's a good question. I'm, I, I'm painting stuff that I want to fish for the most, like, I mean, right now, I mean, what, you know, if I can get things going a little bit more, there's going to be uh, different patterns and stuff. They're going to be better for different waters. But for me, Right now, I'm painting things that I want to fish that I feel are going to catch fish, you know, in the waters that I'm fishing. And that black and gold, like, right? Yeah, this, that's a lot. This yeah. is such a, I, I'm right now, I'm, I'm holding it's, this is my, uh, this is actually like the original crankbait, like the first one I made, just a little bit, a um, little bit altered. So this is a suspending six inch, like shallow running bait. Oh, I like um, that. W- with a rubber tail on it. Black and gold. Very. This is my favorite color to throw. It is the simplest pattern I probably probably make. I have caught so many fish down the river, specifically in the city pool, on black and gold. Maybe it's because I have confidence and I use it all the time. Yep. I, don't know I, think, that, I think that's a part of it. I think that I think there's a little bit of everything. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there's a certainly a confidence. Like if you're the bait you throw the most mm-hmm. is that not by pure percentages that's going to mm-hmm. be the bait that is going to be the highest percentage that you're going to get hit so Absolutely. to say oh it's always the gold gold bait that gets hit well if that's mm-hmm. only the gold bait that you throw that that makes a lot of sense then here but, we go still here we go. <laughs> that's hey, it. you throw that black and gold i'm down the river throwing a black and gold because <laughs> local muskies prefer that here they do. I want. I want to catch. I want to catch a musky down the point, at, 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 in, in you know on a, a permani sandwich at a tailgate. I want to go down the point, catch myself a musky, maybe on a bulldog. Listen, listen. So I have this like dream. I have this this dream in this goal, right? And I tried planning out this year. It hasn't really worked out. I in the worst way. I want to go down the city pool. I want to go trolling at the point during a Steeler game, like yes. maybe from before the tailgate. I'm with if, you. I can, if, if I can get, I don't care how big it is. If I can get a muskie down at the point and get a picture in front of Heinz field, not Akersher, <laughs> Ashton Kutcher stadium. Like such an awesome, like highlight. Like that'd oh, be yeah. amazing. Or better yet. How about you make it on the camera at the st- like okay. during the game when they cut to the shots of the boats hey, outside dude. on the river. Right, <laughs> if you're out there in like cold weather, you're going to be the only boat out there. Yeah. They'll so notice you. Like, if you catch like a, a, a halfway decent fish, just take it, just hold it up to that stadium. Start making some commotion. Right. Yeah. So we're, gonna be we're on, just going to go ahead song. and put it. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there right now. If any of our listeners can manage to catch a muskie <laughs> on the jumbo with, truck with, with no with Heinz Field in the background, not not Acrosure Stadium, Heinz Field, you know, like I don't give a shit what you think it's called. It's called Heinz Field. If you can catch a muskie and have Heinz Field in the background, you get two free bucktails. Talk about Dude. a spot burn. Two that free the, bucktails. That's, that's the most Dude. epic spot burn of the century right there. I got to say this too, because I had, I, my wife bought me a shirt from steel city. that says it'll always be Heinz to me. <laughs> and I posted that shirt and somebody replied to me and said, it will always be three river stadium to me. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> Here's my question about this. Okay. And I haven't asked anybody about this yet. 
that so three rivers to me three rivers dies whenever got imploded on the north shore heinz field it's its own entity at that point is it always heinz or is it three river stadium uh it's Heinz. Uh, three, okay, so so I'm I'm older than you guys, so I actually probably have some actual real memory of the of, laser of, loop of three three reverse. The laser things. loop. <laughs> the laser loop. We're going back to the laser loop here. On, the secret entrance to Heinz in. Field. Yes, like I went to Three River Stadium. I think it was the when when was Heinz Field built. I want to say it was like the 2001. 2001, I think. I want to say it was either what was the what was the the year that the Steelers lost in the championship game to the New England Patriots? 04. No, it was earlier than that. 04. It was like it would have been at least this was You're talking Cordell Stewart days now. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. This is like 97, 98, 99. I went to I went to I went to the championship game and it was like negative 14 degrees, whatever it was. And the Steelers lost and they lost. And that was the year they lost to the Patriots in the championship game. I forget what year it was. It might have been 99. I, I don't I don't even remember, but it was the coldest freaking game I've ever been to in my life. And it was in those like that bootleg stadium uh, you know three river stadium was cold like there was no warmth in that stadium at all like it was just a cold cold place <laughs> yeah i just i had to ask that because dude it is for me to always be heinz field i think for most sure. of us yeah 99 of us i won't even i can't even try to pronounce accuracy. ashton kutcher think all the Yinzers have kicked in the ass to want to go down to a Steeler game is say, Hey boys, let's get together. We're getting a case of iron. We're going down. Akershus. Akershus. We're going down Hinesfield. Yeah. We're going down Hinesfield. Oh man. And the stadium. Nate Bud's going to be sad. He missed this one. Oh no. (laughs) That's good stuff. So where do you go from here, Jake? What's your plans moving forward? Um, I think, I think I want to try to, I think I want to try to hit the, um, the, the lore swap. So like, cool. let me ask you this. Are, is this, is it more like, like a trading thing back and forth? Are guys selling baits down there? Like what's both? It's it. it well, okay. So let me tell you the first year that I took part in the lore swap, that was actually the first year I met Ryan Reed. That was back in like 2018 or 19. And I kind of thought, oh, like, I'll take my baits and people might want to buy them. People aren't going there to buy baits, so to speak. You might have a couple of guys that will buy baits. But most of the my experience there is that people are there to to wheel and deal and try to, you know, haggle trade. Yeah, it's not it's not like Musky Max where you're saying, hey, here's the price of my baits. This is what you're mm-hmm. you're going to pay for them. Mm-hmm. But is it cool to would I would I recommend you go there with some of your baits and just absolutely like get them kind of out? Yeah. You might not sell a single bait, but when people come around at Musky Max, and if you have a booth at Musky Max, then maybe they'll say, "Oh, wait a second, I remember." 
Mm-hmm. I remember that guy from yeah. Muskie's Inc. meeting. And now, oh, wow, he's got a booth here at Muskie Mac. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess he must be I'm serious. I'm trying to do everything that, that, though, too. Like, I mean, I remember, like, online, like, you know, I don't always, like, sell baits. Like, there, there's guys that I've met that I've traded multiple baits with. Um, yeah. There's a guy uh, on the other side of the on the other side of the state. Uh, his name is Ben. Um, he started making bucktails a couple years ago, and uh, I just called him. I was like, "Hey, man, you know, nice, nice looking looking bucktails." Blah blah blah. He was like, oh, "Thanks." We kind of got to chatting a little bit. It's like, "Yeah, I make a few baits." This was a little earlier on. This one, if I just started like making like these ones here, um, mm-hmm. some of these like suspending baits and stuff. And uh, I was like, hey, "If you ever want to swap one, let me know." And uh, He's like swapped one and he's like, Oh man, this is cool. Like, I like it. And I was like, Man, your buck that was you know awesome. I like it. So we ended up swapping maybe a, at least a half dozen baits over the course of you know a year or so. Kind of kept in contact and everything. And um I like it like all his like relationships. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, what the uh, lore swaps just, about, man. It's just a hangout like, session. Different areas. Yeah. So like I I've, I've swapped a, a number of baits online with like different people and stuff. And I think it'd be cool to you know go to the the muskie's ink lore swap and you know do that in person i, I live super cool. i live probably 20 minutes away yeah you're right there right and we're yeah. that's the swaps in warrendale i think or near yeah. there kind of that's Just, uh that's like one of the best events we have oh for yeah, sure it really nick, is. nick talks about this but like joel and everybody that charlie everybody that has a hand in muskie's ink chapter 16 like that that one in particular like it's open to the public you mm-hmm. can come out you can trade, sell, buy, whatever. But really, it's just like a night to hang out, mm-hmm. talk musky yeah. fishing, drink a few beers. And like, no prep <laughs> needed. Don't don't get it mistaken. Like you have to come with some beautiful display. You oh, can yeah, literally no throw, throw yeah, five no, baits like, in a bucket, dump them on the table, and pop your ass in a seat, and people are going to yeah. chat with you. People have what? asked me. They're like, oh, do you have to pay a cover to get? No, just come oh, in. No. Just hang it. And just come and, and stay hang away out. From, yeah, Stay away from the swing table. Formal. It is not the, formal. Stay away from the swing table where they'll try to sucker you into paying a hundred bucks for a lure that's worth ten. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 that's what it's about, though. Like, I mean, I just, I just want to hang out. I'm not trying to like make a living selling selling lures. You know, like mm-hmm. I, it's not really in in the cards. You know, right now, um, I'm just having fun, making some yep. baits, having fun, I like bullshitting with people. You know what I mean? People come up, ask me, hey, you know, you know how you do on these baits, or ask me questions about them. I will answer them all night and say, hey, I mean. You know, I don't know if these are the greatest in the world or if they're, you know, with it, but I have some success on them. I have fun. I like doing it. You know, try them out. Yep. You'd like it. You got to come. Yeah. Got to yeah, come to the swamp. Got to do that for sure. Make some time to do it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think I'm going to make that a, uh, make Tom that will, definitely make it a goal this year. Tom will be there slinging El Chavos. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. There, there is a BYOB there. Yeah. For we sure. car, yeah, we, we are we gonna carpool again this year? I think we will, yeah. Carpool like get there. Should, I feel like we should all carpool. Maybe we should just rent one of those party limos. Yeah, or, well, how Don about C- this? No, no, I was no, gonna no, say no, take no. Don Senior's RV. Don Senior get the RV. Mm-hmm. Get Don Senior pick us all up oh, in the God. RV. Yep. I like Man. it. <laughs> Let's go. Bates and beers. Let's go. Bates <laughs> and beers. In Blackstones. Bates and Blackstones. In Blackstone, Bates, beers, and Blackstones. I got some questions about these. These I, I keep seeing you talk about these Blackstones. I have no experience. Oh, dude, with. <laughs> oh, dude. wait. Before oh, we dude, get into this, get started. Let me tell you this. I was at Tractor Supply today. They have a 36 inch Blackstone griddle with a hard top for like I think it was like 249. With the hard top, the cover it has thing? the yeah, dude. It has the hard top, 
it's it's like the entire week deal like people like companies are now doing like weekly black friday deals instead of just yeah. like they're dude i diana looked at me she's like we we might we need to buy this i didn't do it i walked away but what i i got to, i got the the uh in what world does Deanna offer you the free pass to buy something fun? Oh, you say, no I'm, thanks, Deanna. I'm buying boat stuff at this point. I'm not yeah, worried. Yeah, right? Ryan's got his hands full. He's, yeah, already, got, he's yeah. already got, got a grill. But if you're going to be busy with in, that boat, brother. If you're, if you're looking to get into Blackstone game right now, this, this is not going to drop in time for anybody else to hear this. But tractor supply, like 250 If you're interested, seriously, that's one of the best deals you're going to find on a Blackstone, like period. Absolutely. And the Blackstone, I got, I got to say, man, like I, I'm a grill guy. Like I love grilling and having the Blackstone to it, the Blackstone doesn't replace your grill. That's what I was going to ask. No, I, I, at least not for me, not for me, because I like to, I like to do steaks. I like to do them on real high heat, yep. but you, you just, I haven't found a way to do that on Blackstone yet, but the Blackstone is just an absolute like compliment to your grill. Like yeah. I got, you know, you, you got, you can do all the, all the flat top griddle stuff while you can do all the hot, you know, direct heat grill stuff on a Weber. You know, I have a Weber, you know, three burner spirit, whatever it is called. And then I have the Blackstone on one side and man, I, I just whip that shit up. Love it. The only thing that would be better is getting your Blackstone at Harbor Freight. Wah, wah, wah. There you go. Or Mac dot bid or Mac dot bid. Mac dot bid. I'm I'm hooked on on Mac bid there, dude. Mac dot bid. I just saw the sign. Mac dot bid has recently moved to Monroeville, PA. Yes, Ooh. sir. Yes, sir. Yes, dude, sir. They're right in my neighborhood, man. Dude, did they Mac, go? Did they Kellen? go in where the gander was at? Yep. Yep. Okay, that's what I thought. That's yep. brilliant. I, I've been looking for Kellen some kill shit. I've been looking for some new woodworking tools on Mac bid lately. I'm trying to get me a uh, nice table saw or something here. There you go. Um, they have, dude. They have tons of Dewalt stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I if know. you, I, every time I go in there, I see like Dewalt stuff everywhere. Yeah, like Dewalt. They 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 tend to carry a lot of Dewalt. Um, I don't know. I found I've I really they carry they carry just about everything. I mean, <laughs> like very specific brands you can't find. But if you're if you're not picky about. Mm-hmm the brand of what you want like let's say you want a you know a table saw or a band saw or whatever like you're going to find a table saw or a band saw or anything you want on mac.bid it may not be the exact brand you want or whatever but you like they have literally everything and if you wait until next week it's like a whole new a whole, a whole new, new world yeah. Yeah, I just like, yeah, I seen I seen four or five different uh, table saws. I'm like, oh man, I, I put a few bids on on a couple, didn't didn't win them. I'm trying to get them on the cheap, you know what I mean? Trying to get that value. Got to upgrade that shop to get to the show, that's man. It, man, that's Dude, what I got to get production numbers up, man. Mm-hmm. People are onto this shit. No, people are onto the Mac dot bid train, they man. Like it's like it used to be. You could get great. You, know, you can still get you can still get great deals, but like people, you know, it's not it's not like it was. You know, like no one knew, no one knew about it. You could get away with, you could get steals. Like people yeah. really know about that stuff. And dude, I love it, man. Kellen, oh. I shout out to Kellen because 
he's been on the podcast here, but you know, talk about a business mind who found found a a crease in the in the the current business system and like it took advantage of that crease or that crink, that little wrinkle. I love it, man. I and he's killing it. Oh, it's great. It's great. I want to go back to the Blackstone real quick because the Blackstone <laughs> of course you do. replaced my grill. I will not use a grill anymore. Really? I've cooked oh. steaks. I've uh, done chicken. I've done a lot on that thing. See, I can't that's do the. That's I, a I can't statement. do like the, I, Yeah, I can't that's do the, like the really high the high heat. Well, grill. Dude, like everybody's different though, right? Like right. everybody, everybody's different. So it might not work for you, <laughs> but it works for me. And guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm making breakfast sandwiches on that bad boy. That's the <laughs> Deanna and I have a tradition. <laughs> That's a game changer. When you're making breakfast out there on, on, oh, oh, yeah. oh. yeah, yes. uh, absolutely. That was absolutely a game changer with at the, having that one at the lake when I got it and I was like, wow, you mean like I can just turn this thing on and make bacon and pancakes and like everything else <laughs> and, and, no eggs and everything else that my kids <laughs> want and, and won't yes, eat. Fantastic. Guess what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm doing make griddles. Ryan Reed I'm, style on the Blackstone. What time? What go. time are we serving the McGriddles, Ryan? Because I'm Come on over, buddy. Come on um, over, buddy. Me and Chris Raz will be there when we're done fishing. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> breakfast starts at nine sharp Ooh, because I'm rough. sleeping in tomorrow. <laughs> you go fishing with Chris Raz tomorrow? Oh uh, yeah, going out for a little mon special. There you gonna go. fly fish tomorrow? He is going to fly fish. I'm gear fishing, living in perfect harmony. Try not to take a fly to the back of the head. Like the the bisexual relationship. Pretty much, yeah. You have so much, like, your head is so slippy. I don't know that a hook could stick in there. It wouldn't. It would slide right off. It's like the interracial fishing relationship, fishing marriage, kind of. (laughs) It is. Yeah, that's good. Beautiful thing out here. I mean, there's a lot of friction between... uh, the fly guys and gear there guys. There are, man. They're like, man, they're not having it. No. Look at Tom changing the culture. I don't want like, to like smack talk or anything like that. No, but, like, I mean, honestly, what they do is like a totally different. We've like, talked about we, it before. Yeah, there's I mean, a difference. Like, I, there's I'm a clear. I'm not going to knock no. it at all. I would love to learn. Yeah, I'd like to learn a little bit more about it. I can't say that I'm like ready to just totally switch what I do and go try something go try to do that but man i'd be all for trying a little fly mm-hmm. sl- fly slapping fly slapping yeah i think a lot of that like smack talk it's just like typical social media bullshit. it is like, you know what i mean just like th- there's always it's like casters to trollers yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean you get this whole thing with everyone's like oh, you, it's not the right way to do things you can't mm-hmm. troll for fish you're lazy sons of bitches mm-hmm. at the end but, of the day I mean, I like at the end of the day, we're all still out there in the boat for 13 hours a day, like complete fucking lunatics chasing the same thing, just with different rods in our hand. And I one, just want to see fish pictures, man. I don't care how you catch them. Yeah. Whatever, what, however you're going to fish, I'm happy for you. As long as it's not a harpoon. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I get, I get more pe- like more friends and stuff like that, that that will fish with me when I'm trolling. Like It's yeah. hard to find someone to cast all day mm-hmm. yes. and like, I mean, you're getting beat up, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's tough. I mean, and you kind of like, need it, the fishing the background to cast and, and you do. So I can get a lot more people yep. out there, even like inexperienced people 
people that just are like curious about it. Mm-hmm. Hey, I want to give this a try. Okay. I can help you out. Hop on the boat. I have, and you uh, get three more rods. Six, six, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got six rods. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't even care if I'm wheeling them in, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. If there's fish coming in the boat, I'm pumped. I'm happy. Yeah. That's all I want. I want to see fish come in the boat. And it's hard to find guys that are just going to stick with it all day casting mm-hmm. and getting beat up. But, you know, luckily there's like apps for that now. You know, yeah. I, 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 have you heard that that app to find <laughs> Western guys? Yeah, Instagram. Grind, oh, grinder. Grinder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's next <laughs> next favorite app. <laughs> trying to find them guys that want to grind it out you know? i think nick's an influencer for them hey guys i really want to grind one out today oh man joel joel would be upset with you right now oh that's funny everyone is good hop on grinder find yourself a new musky buddy find a match <laughs> <laughs> even if they're a dirt even if they're a dirty fly fisherman well, Tom, boy, good luck tomorrow. I hope you're back. Oh, well, thank you. I hope we do too. We'll film. In case Are you taking happens. your boat? Or are you no, taking taking the Raz machine? My slow is hibernating for the winter officially. Yeah, the Razmataz. Yep. So yep. when it's getting cold like this, like, what do you guys do to like stay motivated? through oh, the cold and like in like tough times like i quit like, fish. i quit fishing some, some kind of tradition or is it like did you play some music or like what 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 do you do i light some christmas candles and i hang out in my shop and i just <laughs> stay the fuck out of the weather <laughs> you, you take the musky rods you put your reel covers on them you put them in the closet you lock the closet and then you go steelhead fishing that's how you deal with it. Listen, I'll give you some actual advice on this one. Because you know when you go out there right now, you're looking for one bite. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's yeah. one bite. You already have the mentality when you go out. You know it's going to be tough. You know it's you're be a looking long, cold day. Bite. It's mm. going to be a long, cold day. So your expectations are already low. This goes back to <laughs> managing your expectations. Keep them low. Just keep them low. And just go keep out there. Low. The only way you can go is up. That's it. That's dude. true. That's that's I think that should be the approach. You just go out there and you do what you know could catch a fish. And if you don't catch a fish, it is what it is. Still we're not fishing. out there we're not so out there I, taking clients, right? Nope. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. So so I had this this uh this situation happen a couple of years ago where I uh I was thinking about going it was like December. I want to go out this this one day. I was kind of planning it out. There's one spot that I, that I like. It's the only spot that like I don't give up. I don't really care about giving up most of my spots to people because mm-hmm. they're just general bodies, dams, or creek mouths. I got yeah. this one spot that I don't have to give up. I've caught a few decent fish there. So I was listening to this was a few years ago. I listened to Joe Rogan podcast, and he had David Goggins on. Have you ever heard David Goggins? Heard the name. Seal? Okay, yeah. Former Navy SEAL. He does like a lot of motivational speaking. This guy will get you fired up, fired up to, to do anything. You know what I mean? He talks about the, the one thing I, he was talking about specifically in his SEAL training during like hell week. He's talking about uh, boat crew too and how they, how the like, uh, it, it, it instructs the instructors and stuff like that. The guys put them through everything like trying to like beat them down 
and how he got his whole crew motivated and getting back in their heads saying, you know, you can't hurt Bo Crew too. You can't hurt Bo Crew too. And getting them fired up. Listen to that podcast before you go fit on your way on the drive going fishing. And I'm telling you, nothing will stand in your way That's because awesome. I, I, so I, I had this plan. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go there. It's like I said, it's December. It was about, it was right around freeze, like 31, 32 degrees. That's like my limit. Once it drops mm-hmm. below freezing, I'm kind of done because mm-hmm. it's just a pain in the ass. My it's not good for your gear. Your reels freezing up. Yeah. The eyelets are freezing up. You're fighting it. It's, it's I got better fighting. shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's above freezing, I'm good. I, like, I don't mind getting cold and, I'm good, but yep. I listened to this and I went out this day. I, I told myself, okay, I'm going to go out and get out there whenever the sun comes up and I'm staying until 11 o'clock because I had this idea on this other stuff. I heard about walleye fishing that when it's cold out, you want to fish the warmest part of the day because they'll come up to the shallow flats to warm up when it's warm and that's when they'll get active. So I'm thinking maybe that'll work for muskie too. I want to do that. So I'm on my way. I go down. I'm fishing for a couple hours, and I'm getting – it's a little bit of a breeze. It's like 32 degrees. My reel's freezing up a little bit. I'm getting frustrated. It's like 10 o'clock. I'm like, I'm like man, I should just wrap it up. Like, it sucks. This is, this is brutal, you know? But then Dave Goggins is in my head saying, you can't hurt Bo Crew too. I'm like, this, <laughs> this dude – Don't like, give up ever. In the water, like freezing cold water, like half dead. And he's he he's going. It's like I'm fishing. This, yeah. I'm just fishing. Could be worse. If he can do all that, I can stick it out till eleven mm-hmm. o'clock, right? So <laughs> I stick it out for. And, and I'm telling. It was like a half an hour later. Working a rafter, working this rafter, in, and uh, bringing in. And I'm like on this on like this like platform, and just about to go into a figure eight. I pause it once right there, and here come from right underneath me. Boom. I, I get hit. Hooked this fish, fought it for a minute, got it in. Beautiful, like 40-inch fish, nice and chunky, beautiful fish. And if it wouldn't have been for that motivation, keep going. I was gone. I was leaving. 100 yeah. percent I was I was leaving. And staying motivated is key, I mm-hmm. think. Especially in like colder weather. Like Absolutely. Think, you start thinking about the warm house and the couch and the warm food, and you're like, oh, that sounds good. You gotta make a plan and you gotta stick it out. I agree, man. So that's, I that's think that's a huge right thing. That's huge. Absolutely, dude. That's like, that's what it's about this time of year though. Like you, mm-hmm. you, if you can find a way to stay motivated and keep your butt on the water, like you got a shot to catch a fish. Yeah. And, and yeah. a lot of times like this time of year, like we all know it, especially on the rivers, like this is the time mm-hmm. where you can catch good fish, good mm-hmm. average yeah. size fish. And, yeah, that's sometimes that's what that's what the battle is. It's like it's no different than going creek fishing. Like I had a similar day last year where I ended up calling it because I couldn't. It was like seven degrees outside. I had uh, somebody with me that wanted to fish. You know, guy kid that I talked to. We went fishing. Reels locking up. It was miserable. Stuck it out. Stuck it out. Stuck it out. And then finally, I just gave up. If I'd have stayed, you never know. Maybe I'd have caught a fish. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Dave, I didn't have Goggins in my head telling me to stay there. Boat crew too. <laughs> You'll never leave the water. Yeah, You'll never exactly. leave. I'm telling you, this guy, he's, he's nuts. He's the greatest. That's amazing. 
Well, well boys. Else, yeah, what else do we have here? Do you have anything about? else you want to cover, Jake? Did you? Oh, um, nothing much I can think of. There's, I got one, one question. Yeah. This is, this is like a situational question. It's a little far-fetched. Nah, we like far-fetched. We're all about that. I've been like thinking about this for like a a long time. So catch and release is obviously huge in, in this, you know, this, this sport, you know, what do you do? Like, like, I, I just don't really know exactly what, like, what, like, what, like, the protocol would be. What do you do if you catch a fish that is could potentially be, like, a state record? Hmm. Do you, do you? I mean, hmm. do you keep it? Well, that's that's a do, good point because we just we just do you call questions. like, can, can you call the fish commission and, and like, hey, I got the, like a giant. Like, can you come down? So and we just we just talked to Chase Gibson. Who went through yeah. that? And now I know West Virginia is a little. I think they're a little different than us. He was able to call someone while he was on the water, able to catch and release that fish. PA, I don't know. I feel like Nick would be the one to ask on that. If there's someone you can call like that here, or... well, I think we're all screwed because the PA state record will never be broken. That's fair too. Yeah, that's my opinion. I don't. I don't know that it'll ever be broken. That's such an outlandish fish, in my opinion. I don't know that any of us will be in that situation to have to deal True. with it. But I mean, hypo- and, do we, hypothetically, you can, can never say never. You can never say never. Floors rolling around. That's true. Anything. You can never say never. You throw a couple Latkovic lures out there, a couple big O's spinner baits out there. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be negative. out there. I'm not trying to be negative, but have you guys actually looked at that state record? Oh yeah, it's it's unattainable. But I mean, like in that, like you said, do we have someone you can call like that? Do like West Virginia does? Can we just call up like a Jared type of person and be like, "Hey, I I have Pennsylvania is still a weighted. It's a still a weighted record, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not a it's not a length record, so you would have to have it officially weighed. So yeah, you'd have to. I don't even well, know. Well, Chase where did that would... there. They did that. They did that all with the lake and released it. They were able to weigh that fish on the shore. So I mean, right. I don't... well, that's if you have like the the fish commission. That's what I mean. The, do we with the waiting? Do I we don't have know. that? Like, I've I never heard know. of anybody doing that. And P. I mean, I guess they just did that actually with the smallmouth. So maybe I know they broke the smallmouth record in Erie, and I think he released that smallmouth. Maybe, maybe Tom, you should catch a muskie big enough to make maybe. that question. I'm gonna need a lot of weights. Yes, I'm gonna need a lot of lead, boys. <laughs> we might need a lot of lead on that. I, I got tons <laughs> of egg weight. I got tons of egg sinkers here, guys. For tons. the sake for the sake of discussion, though, like it, let's just say I catch a 54 inch muskie that weighs 90 pounds. 90 pounds in the state of Pennsylvania. Like, can you really? truly answer that question unless you're standing on the boat with that fish in the net i don't True. know but is your mind me, working clearly like, there's there. also there's also like that little bit of say you have a fish that's potentially the the state record and there's no way that you can have it officially weighed without killing the fish and you let it go there's like that like what's the word i'm looking for um yeah. mystery behind it you know that legend like, behind it yeah. like like did, did he get it so yeah like you're yeah. kind of in it's kind of cool to just be in that conversation it's like i don't know maybe maybe you know maybe it was maybe it wasn't i, I kind of feel like if it's a, if it's a fish like that caliber that we're talking about i almost feel like for me and i'm again i'm not speaking like i'm on the boat right there well i feel like i probably get my pictures i probably bump it 
probably get video of it and then I release that fish and not think twice about it. Okay, so I think this is a a, a very very good illustration of kind of the difference of angling. I guess not techniques, but like what you're really looking for, like Larry Ramsell, when he goes out, like they are taking out a certified scale. Okay. Like they are quite, there's no doubt they are going out there only for a state, you know, a world record type of muskie. But then you have a guy like Joe Booker who is fishing all the same waters, whatnot. And, never even measure doesn't measure yeah. okay and so are you both chasing the same thing yeah i don't think you are i, I and, and, are. and i'd say that i don't know the answer to it like i i don't think you are necessarily like if you if you want to be the guy that that breaks a record you have to be ready to prove that Mm -hmm. in in the sense that having a certified scale like you said jake like where can you take that where like who do you call if i'm going out there if like if i'm taking a trip on in november to the saint lawrence with with mike lazarus i'm probably going to want to have a certified scale on board my boat Right. Need a hotline. Yeah. Fish hotline. I like it. Just give out Owen's cell number for the yep. big fish hotline. <laughs> you know, it's Write like, it on a bathroom stall. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't certify that type of stuff. Like like does that make any you know, does it make Joe Booker's or anyone else's fish any less? I mean they're a bit I don't big. think not a bit. Dude, Hans is musky. Hans's muskie out of Buffalo Harbor looks every bit as big as Ken Jones's muskie from Moon River Basin. That's the world record. And I say that like, you know, not not seriously, but if you were to just look at them. Like they are gigantic fish mm-hmm. and to call one a world record and the other not because Hans put the right back in the, into the, the water, you know, I don't know, man. It's tough. Like, yeah. It's really tough. Like how many world record muskies might have been caught in over these past, however many years that people were in the middle of nowhere catching this fish. I mean, dude, if I were all in the middle of Lake Nipissing and I hooked into a world record fish, do you think I would know who to call? <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. I'd take that... pictures of it. I'd take pictures of it. I would like, you know, get, I would just love it, but I, it would go right back into the water and it would mm-hmm. go That's off. That's what I mean to... though. Like you're, to your point though. And like, we're not record chasing. We're out there just no. trying to catch fish and have fun. Like if that happens, like where you get a big fish like that, that's a, I mean, for us, that's a fish of a lifetime. But I think what not... Jake is saying is like, what do you do? Like, what yeah. do you really do I mean, if you catch a fish of that caliber? Me, yeah. me personally, I think get a good length measurement, get a girth measurement. And unless there's a, a way that it can be officially weighed and released, I think I'll release that fish. You're mm-hmm. going to get respect 
from everyone. Absolutely. It's like that anyway. Do you, like, how important is it to have your name as? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, look at look at the guys out in Minnesota. I, what is it, Eric? I mean, it's Eric cool. But... Backy, I think he just they just caught the Minnesota record by length fish and put it right back in the water and they've been getting all kinds of kudos and every bit of recognition mm-hmm. that they deserve. And that fish went right back into the water, you know, and it's not like, like I, Oh, we, we have it mounted on our, you know, on our, I feel our, like people are going to look at you the same way. They're going to mm-hmm. look at you the same way, whether you have the record or you just got, that's a giant. I mean, you get a giant fish, you know, people, I mean, not that I'm even like looking for the, for respect from people or anything like that, but it like, I, I, I don't need my name on a state record to like feel good about that. No, you know? quite honestly, mm-hmm. I think I think musky fishing. Like and, and maybe you guys can would agree with me or disagree with me. I hate the I, I'm be, I guess becoming less enamored with the numbers aspect of musky fishing yep. as I get further into it. That like you know, the numbers of, I caught this amount of, you know, X 50 inch fish. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, you know what? That's not, I, I, I've found it that that's not really important to me anymore. I'm more concerned about how someone, how someone catches fish and where they catch it and mm-hmm. things like that. than like, you know, them catching the world's biggest fish, you know? Yeah. That's a progressional thing, though, because I think we all start out wanting to yes. catch numbers of fish. And yes, like I, I'll speak for myself, like the first couple of years that I started kind of fishing by myself, because keep in mind, like I fished with Dan for like four or five years, six years, whatever it was like off and on. But when I first started fishing like myself to try to catch fish, like I was all about numbers. It's like mm-hmm. I, I need to prove to myself that I can catch 20 muskies this year mm-hmm. or 30 muskies this year, whatever it was. But you have like a chip on your shoulder starting You out. do. Absolutely. You do. And it's it's not necessarily to prove to other people. It's to prove to yourself. Like yep. I can put the time in. I can learn this stuff and I can be successful doing what I love to do and that's mm-hmm. fishing, but musky fishing in particular. So when you when you talk about all this other stuff, like we're all out there to catch fish and have fun. But as you progress, like Owen, to your point, like, numbers don't matter once you start catching fish and you start understanding like, okay, I can do this and be successful, at least successful in my eyes. Like I don't need to catch, you know, 46, 47, 48 inch fish. Like that'll come over time. Mm -hmm. And you don't need to carry a scale in your boat. Uh, But I guess then again, all right. So let's, let's just take this to the logical extreme. And that is like, okay, you've, you've, gotten to the point where you you're so confident in catching muskies like the only thing you want the only thing you care about is a world record muskie like and so you are only going to fish the times in the you know in and you take a scale for that exact reason mm-hmm. so is that different than someone who would just simply you know carry a scale in their boat just on a regular basis just to try to you know hey look i'm gonna catch a big fish that's so dependent on the person and what you're trying to accomplish like none of us really care about the state record right like the pa state record is 54 pounds and three ounces do we really feel like in our lifetime we're gonna ain't happening but with that said 
I got I have a shitload. I mean a shitload of egg sinkers here, right? In my shop. <laughs> we can load that we could load that some bitch up. I need like thirty pounds of them to be in the ballpark. I feel like the progression the dumbbells other, down them down their throats now. Yeah. <laughs> the other progression down its throat. The other progression that we're seeing here, and Jake alluded to this earlier, and what I'm starting to experience now is after you start catching muskies and you almost prove to yourself that you can catch muskies and you're comfortable with what you're doing and you're out there having fun. The the last part of that progression is exactly what Jake said. And that's watching other people catch Mm -hmm. muskies. And like, that's where I'm at. Like next year, you know, I've got, I've got a boat now, like next year, my, my number one goal, instead of saying, okay, Ryan, you're going to catch, 20 muskies this year. You're going to catch 30 muskies. I want to catch a 46 inch muskie. My goal for next year is to get my dad, his first muskie on my boat. And, and that's the only goal I'm going to set. And I usually set like four or five fishing goals for myself. That's the only goal. It's going to be, it's going to be three goals. It's number one, catch my dad, his first muskie. Number two, catch Deanna, her first, her first muskie. And number three, I want to get my brother's first trolling muskie. Like, within you know on on my boat Mm -hmm. and then anything else that comes after that it's not about numbers for me it's not about numbers for tom it's not about numbers for whoever's out fishing with me it's basically how many fish can we put in the boat doesn't matter how big they are and it's Mm -hmm. just going to be let's go out and have fun and fish and and troll around and and see what happens Mm -hmm. you know and if i get a if i get a 55 pound fish in my boat pretty cool suck Bonkins. I wouldn't keep it. I'll tell you guys that right now. I'm not going to keep it. Even though that fish is probably at the end of its life. You know, you get a fish that big in PA, it's probably at the end of its life. We can be honest oh, yeah. about that. It'd and depending delicious. upon yeah, depending upon how I handle it, <laughs> I, I think I would probably bump that fish, take pictures, and just be extremely thankful for the opportunity to catch a big muskie mm-hmm. in my home state, on my home waters, in a boat that I just purchased. On a lack of a lure. On a lot of the yeah. lure. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. It sure as heck ain't gonna be on a big O's because I've proved to this point that I am not the guy that's like pro staff. <laughs> He's kicked material. off the bro staff. I've been kicked off bro staff. D broed. It's not for lack of effort. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it might be lack of effort. Sure. That's a that's a uh, very interesting hypothetical that you brought up because I really don't think we have an answer for it. No. What do you do? Who knows? Maybe it'll happen to one of us. Maybe tomorrow year. morning with Chris Raz. Maybe you can tell us how it goes. Maybe. Hopefully, someone. I mean, hopefully, you guys get someone on your podcast that has that answer. What yeah. do you do? I'm sure you guys. Yeah. Know. Well, we we are due to we are due to get someone from the fish commission on here to mm-hmm. kind of explain because since jared sayers is no longer with the with the i guess with the musky portion of things right he's still with the pa fish fish and boat commission See, this he's is not i've had several questions about this and the only way i know how to answer this is based on what i heard at the muskies inc meeting a few months back the new linesville hatchery manager which his name is nick came out and explained what his role is and was there to answer questions. And then Nick explained to us that Jared had essentially moved on from fish and boat. 
And I've had several people like contact me because I think I made a comment on one of the last ones about Jared not being there anymore. So I reached out to Jared. I sent him a message and just thanked him for everything he's done for us, you know, and everything. And he kind of alluded to him not being there, but he didn't specifically say what he was doing or where he was going. So if anybody really wants to know the answer to that, like the best thing I can say is from that Muskie's Inc. meeting, Jared is no longer at PA Fishing Boat. So that may or may not be a hundred percent accurate. I just know that he's not the Linesville hatchery manager anymore because Nick has taken over that role. So Nick's the new big cheese. For not the, our Nick to clarify for people. Yeah, no, no. Uh, but he's, you know, from what I gathered, he fishes for muskies. You know, he understands the fishery. He's learning. It's going to take some time for him to get up to speed. And really, you know, I'm hoping that, I think we're all hoping that the program continues on the way it has been, you know, with the permit, the stocking and, and support of that. And I would say, you know, if you're out there musky fishing and you happen to listen to this podcast, like, and you're not a member of Muskies Inc., like, dude, that's something for 35, 45 bucks, whatever it is now, it's the price of a musky lure. Yes. You, know, you, you, you go do out, it. do it, absolutely do it because you know that money and then it also opens up a whole new world to you too, because let's be honest, like none of us would have met if it wouldn't have been for Muskie's Inc. Yep. You know, I fish with guys yeah. like, absolutely. I wouldn't have caught my first Muskie by myself if it wasn't for Muskie's Inc. And, and guys like Evan Shoss and Charlie Mueller and, you know, all of you guys, like it, it gives you an option to go to these meetings. And I think that's probably a plug too, because I don't know, I can't remember what the date is. But if you're a member currently, there is a meeting. I think it's in December. It's the Christmas party. Um, I will not be there, unfortunately. But it's one of those things like there's opportunities for meetings throughout the entire year. There's the lure swap. You've got these opportunities where guys are coming out doing seminars. You get to hear from Fish and Boat. You get to hear from local guides. There's a wealth of information there. There's the lunge log. There's the magazine. There's the calendar for 45 bucks. Not to cut you off, Ryan. A Christmas party's December 12th on Monday at the Northside Sportsman's Club. Same place the lore swap is. And Chase Gibson's actually speaking at it. Yeah, and it's one of those things. If you're a member, though, you need to reach out to Joel because they're having food and stuff. You need to make sure you let them know that you're coming so they have enough food. But the point is... It's a, it's a killer resource for you as a musky fisherman. If you're not a member, you need to go out and look at that. And you also need to look at that musky permit too. We don't push that enough because 12 bucks, you get your license, you get the permit. It's, it's a, it's not a required permit. It's a voluntary permit, but. And it's not a permit to harvest the musky. <laughs> you can keep all the musky you want. You, you're yeah. essentially. For, for, the, for, the, for the amount of money that is, that we spend on you know gear and lures and everything lures, yeah. yes what is 12 bucks to, and it, it, it goes so far i i it's i think it's such a great program well worth it if you were to say yeah. like you know how could my 12 dollars best improve my chances of catching a muskie that's probably the best yeah. way to do it yeah. buy you know some I mean? more like, muskie it's, yeah. it's a better investment than going and buying a, a you know a, a you know whatever else you can buy is musky tackle, which twelve dollars doesn't go very far in the. It's like those commercials. Right it's like those commercials you see on TV for like twelve dollars a month. You can sponsor a baby musky and yeah. possibly catch it when it's month, fifty yeah. inches. You can, you can sponsor an Ethiopian musky. <laughs> when, you, when you actually see that stuff, like 
Dude, like I've been really lucky. I've been fortunate. Like I, I spent time with Jared at the hatcheries. Like we, you don't have any Ethiopian muskies. No, but we, <laughs> but but the point is, like when you see that and you 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 benefit from it, like literally went out reared. You know, I watched the spawning. I watched. I was part of the stocking of those same fish. I went out two years later and caught a fish in that year class that we stocked and that I saw spawned. Like to me, dude, like seeing that firsthand, being a part of that, and then just the general experience that we get on the water. And I'm not, I'm not spitting here. Spitting heat. Point, I don't want to point. I just want to point out, I'm not spitting heat. It's like the experience. Like if you know you're having an experience, it's a, like it's you a, just have to appreciate experience. the experience. Exactly. Because if you don't realize you're having the experience, then the experience no. isn't worth anything. Did you have the experience? Did you have it at all? Did you have an experience? Huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But the point is like all of that stuff goes to the fishery and it's, we're seeing it. We're seeing it every day on the water. You guys can't, can't deny it. You know, the fisheries that are getting stocked are getting better. We're seeing more. Okay, so- awesome, like I, I watched all those videos and stuff you had of the, the hatchery and everything. And then when, when you came around full circle and I seen you commenting that, you know, I, you know, I think I seen like this fish, the whole process and seen the end result of catching that fish. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, cool. results. so here's really, I guess, a question that, you know, looking towards the future along these lines is, you know, we've we've had some talk about, you know, is it is there a possibility of like oversaturating muskies in a lake? And I think that's if I had one burning question for the Fish and Boat Commission it would be in terms of the stocking program, you know, what, what is their view in terms of overstocking and, you know, managing the numbers? Because I think you've got lakes like Canadota and Edinburgh and, you know, uh, you know, I, a number of the others that have reputations of being overstocked. Mm -hmm. And I think you've, I mean, there's reason to believe that there's, you know, they might be right. Like, you and a know, lot of guys to ask me, a lot of our Midwest buddies ask me about that. They're like, Hey, do you know anything about that? Like, are you worried about the overstocking? Like PA yeah. guys don't really talk about that. Like, it's, I feel like no, that's, a, there is that's a lot. Of, it's yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't want to say a taboo topic, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, Not I, thought I about. know we have these, I, I would like to ask some questions about, we have the brood stock lakes which get a higher number of stockings. And I don't know whether, you know, there's a, I don't know. I, I, I guess I just have a lot of questions as to why we do what we do and are not to say that our program isn't successful. You know, it's like, it's like, why, why are some lakes, more successful than others i think a good way to get those answers would be for you to pay attention to when fish and boats coming out to the next musky musky zinc meeting and come out on site and have a beer and let's talk to nick from the hatchery and let's get those answers and when is that well i don't know you gotta you gotta pay attention he came out (laughs) you gotta he came out earlier this year maybe we'll get him again you know january march march february i don't know what I get real, real curious about is like, I'd like to know like what lakes are the best for like numbers, but because like the, the stock and everything like that. 
what are like our best numbers likes and like what are our best like a- areas for size likes yeah that's like a bird. I feel like anybody you ask is going to give I you mean, a different you, answer on that one look too. At, you can look at the trap net um, size samplings, you know, of of what comes out of each lake, and uh, I mean, I haven't looked at I haven't looked at the, all of them individually. But that's only but, so accurate. It's, it's to pretty. An extent. It, it's it's a pretty simple calculation as to what lakes get what muskies they put it right out there like there, here's how many where, muskies going per acre this is where it's important to have that advocate like jared because jared was actually providing all that information mm-hmm. and and sending out reports like hey this lake got x amount of fish this lake got x amount of fish we're seeing you know this and this lake that and this lake and it it really kind of like compiled all of that information for us as anglers to see it and I, I think, you know, I don't know that we have that right now. You know, will that be available again in the future? I'm, I'm sure it will be. But I think it's important to know, like, whenever you have a change in regime like that, especially when you have an advocate like Jared, like, it takes time for somebody like Nick to get up to speed and and, and provide that. Right. But, I, I mean, the science, I – and I've, I've kind of had this question all across the Muskie range, and that is – like, what is it about certain lakes, like Mill Lacks out in Minnesota? Like, what spawned this, you know, like gargantuan musky, like the breeding of these huge muskies out there? Because that's a stocked, that you know, that's a stocked, a completely stocked situation. So, you know, why can't you breed trophy musky lakes as opposed to what you would consider your normal you know breeder musky lakes so to speak and and again i i don't know what the answer is to that like it's it's is it's it, a very it, it's a fascinating is it thing is it genetics uh, well, is it is it forage is it the forage base density or, of, of you know fish per acre right can uh, i mean the 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 answer is simply not throwing a million more muskies into the you know into the aquatic base because that would not result in bigger muskies so but it's also not adding no muskies to that base so there's got to be some like what's the perfect balance balance yes the balance the middle and and that's that's where you know i would love to pick the brain of a fisheries biologists and and you know there are some that have been on other podcasts that uh, i don't i don't know enough to like reach out to them but i think his name's sean landsman um he's he's been on a number of different ones but just kind of like what is the healthiest fish per acre when it comes to muskies yeah that's interesting i mean your point is like you look at edinburgh and we have tons of fish in edinburgh but they're all stunted yeah you know, like hey, we all know that. I mean, the guys that fish know that. You hear the like, rumors of the big one, but everybody knows that it's generally yeah. a. But you look at a lake and like Canadota has the same. Where there's muskies, there's there's mm-hmm. rumors of the big one. Yep, yeah. but that but doesn't Canadota make it a big the, fish. Canadota has the same reputation. You know, like just it's ton tons of small muskies. We fished Canadota a lot. Have we run into lots of small muskies? No, we caught the like, we caught the queenie forty five inches. What I mean is like it's 
like the idea that that these these fish these lakes are just teeming with small muskies is also not accurate because they're not you can't just go to edinburgh and catch fish left and right no matter whether they're stunted or not some fish just ain't hungry they're still musky. yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know man i don't know the good answer to that but you know we no. talked about biologist reports and things like that like those are valid, but if you look at them, like the resources aren't there to keep that stuff up to date. Like a lot of times you'll look at a biologist report at a lake and it's from like 2004. Well, like yeah. to your point is like almost 20 years that fishery has changed. A lot can change. Right. So I don't know. That's, that's a, I, I would love to know the answer to that too. Owen. I don't know if we're going to get that, you know, in the next couple of years or not. I mean, and I would also like to know, um, you know, just how regulated the uh, the weed killers are and, you know, the 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 chemicals that are allowed to be put into lakes and that are not not allowed to put into lo- put into local lakes. That, that, that's a concern that like that. That's I, I mean, it's because it's my understanding. I mean, I, and, and again, I don't want to go off on to another whole nother tangent we could have this another podcast but he's spitting he's spitting spitting heat here it comes <laughs> if you have an experience you better know about that experience and realize it's an experience uh but no it's the weed i know at canadota lake for years years and years and years there were huge issues because of septic tanks around the lake all right so in those septic tanks were leaching into the lake and and like the weed growth was insane because of it's essentially fertilizer so so fertile yes so once once the you know the septic tanks were more or less gotten rid of and it's more on a mainline sewer system you know the the entire that's changed the the weed system at the lake and so now i believe it's controlled by they used to have this like big machine that would come by and like churn up the weeds but they, they haven't that's like years and there's years like, and years like, there's like cutters like they have over like i used to see them up like chautauqua Yes, same thing. Yeah. But I don't think they I, do. They still use those at, at Chautauqua, or is it just chemically based? A few years. Yeah, they've I've I've been out there and they've had like the weed collector. So I know they're cutting, but I don't know to what extent because they they've got like new boat devices that are out there sucking all the weeds up. But I mean, if yeah, I mean have... that that's an interesting question as to like you know how do you really control the weeds and because you have to manage it both for a sport fishing and also a you know just recreational yeah recreational i can tell you at lakes like uh high point here in pa they don't regulate weeds there you can't even fish in a place (laughs) you can can smoke it anywhere you want exactly (laughs) as long as you have that little card yep card different type of weed ryan Oh well, yeah. <laughs> got them mixed up. We've uh we've been all over the place here. We want to we, we want to wrap this one up and have Jake give one more plug. Sure. Let's hear. We wanna, oh. We're gonna try to answer any more life questions in the musky world. 
<laughs> I like it. Yeah, I'll uh, just uh, my only plug. I mean, I, uh, my Instagram, uh, Ladovic underscore Lures. You know, at Instagram, that's about it. Um, and we'll spell know, that for the people to, on the yeah. flyer. L A T. Kovic. K O V I C. Yeah, I'm probably starting to slur a little bit. These crimes are kind of kicking in. Kicking in a little bit. Owen's been 36 beers deep since like 3 p.m. Yeah, nice. I don't know what you're talking about, Ryan. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. I'm not. I'm not like pumping out tons of baits or anything like that. I'm just, you know, making a few baits, having fun with it, trying to, you know, trying to, trying to grow a little bit. You'll probably try to make the more swap. The goal is maybe try to do musky max. I don't know about this year, but maybe the following year. You can at least pop up. up. You can at least upgrade. make a make an appearance. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you know, I I gotta upgrade my setup a little bit so I can pump out a few more lures and then uh, see where it goes from there. Well, worst case scenario, I think you're probably always welcome to drop a few off at the Big O's booth and we'll throw them on say, the table. Absolutely. I, I was gonna see, say that. Let's go, maybe. Yeah. Hey, that's a possibility. Why not? At least come absolutely. by and hang out. We know a guy. We'll talk. To, we'll talk to the guy. See if he allows it. You know, you got you got to pick. You got to take advantage of the all the positivity that Fat Az review gave you. I mean, dude, they were. Like, I, know, I can't. I can't sit on that. I can't sit on that. Yep. You know what I mean? But but you gotta you gotta move on that, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, like you gotta move on that. Like it's like that. You know, they they were like for real, for real. They were, yeah, and you know, again, thank you, thank you to all those guys. Like that was, um, that was, that was awesome. Like I really didn't expect, did not expect a review like that at all. I'm just a guy, you know, making lures in my basement. You put your garage. pants on. You put your pants on one leg at a time, just like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. But once but you get your I, pants on, I, I you think, make awesome, awesome musky lures, right? <laughs> I try to. I mean, I take pride in my work. You know what I mean? Like, like I wanted, I want to make something good. I want to make something that catches fish. You know, I, I want to make something that people want to fish. And, um, you know, I can't I can't pump a ton out right now. I'm doing the best I can. I'm trying to work it up. We're going to get bigger over time. And, um, yeah, thanks to those guys for, uh, you know, giving my baits, a, you know, a chance to be on a big platform and, you know, yeah. check them out. Up from here, only ways up. You're you're 100 hunks approved. Let's go. <laughs> Seal Let's of go. approval. All day. <laughs> <laughs> and we will catch fish on them next year. I promise it's happening. Now that I have them in my hands to start the year, we'll catch them. We're gonna catch oh, fish. Yeah. I got catch fish. I got I got more. Hold on. I I got more coming, dude. There. I want one of those the, twitch baits. I want one of those like uh, <laughs> suspending twitch baits. Oh, the suspending twitch bait. I got some on the my little. Rotating Ooh. right now. Okay. Trying to get little spindle, out. little turkey yeah. baster. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my that's my little gr- that's my grill rotisserie. That's uh that's my uh, rotator. Nice. It's not quite as nice as yours, Zeroin, but um, oh. it does the job for now. <laughs> so we can step it up. It's doing the job. There you go. I'll talk to you guys about about uh, you know, you you guys want a twitch bait or something? I'll talk to you guys about that off. Uh, hey, load load up a half dozen oh, yeah. baits. Meet me at the creek in December. Down the creek. Down the creek. Down the creek. Meet down the creek. You inspired this bait. It's going to get some fish in that creek. We're going to go. That's that's the husky husky jerk. Bring your iron cities. I wanted to make a musky husky jerk. 
<laughs> the musky jerk. That's it, baby. The musky right jerk. I love it. The musky jerk. Let's go. <laughs> there it is. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the musky jerk. The musky jerk. I was calling it the Millbilly Minnow for a while, but the musky oh. jerk. No, the musky jerk. <laughs> love it. Yeah, we're changing the name. We're changing the name. Let's Beautiful. Go. Well, Jake, it's Bye, been boys. awesome, man. This has yeah, been awesome. And we'll hey, definitely. Let's start a time in late. Oh, man, this is awesome. This doesn't feel like a podcast. This feels like a support group. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, a lot of fun. Try. it's a good time. We're always here for you. Absolutely. <laughs> Jake, well, cool, man. it's been a blast, man. Thank you. We'll for get you back us. on. We'll get you get back. You back on. On. We'll Absolutely. get Nate. We'll get we'll get Nate Butt on next time for a little Absolutely. Pittsburgh overdose. Yeah, if we oh, if we yeah. need a little Pittsburgh session, we'll get Jake and Nate. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, fellas. All right, Thanks again, Jake. We appreciate it, man. Thanks, Jake. Peace. All right, guys.